You also have a camera. What, what's that for? That, uh, that gives us a wide shot. So this You're one, we're, we're yeah. close up on you. Mm -hmm. That one, we're close up on him. Okay. That one gets wow, 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 wow. That's good. So I right, hope, we're ready? Yeah. Okay. OK, so you tell me when to start. We're going now? You can start. All right. Well, hello. We're here in Chicago with Professor Ilaria Ramelli. And uh, we are incredibly grateful to you, Ilaria, for agreeing grateful to do to this. <laughs> um, Ilaria is reclined because we want her to be comfortable, and she has uh, severe scoliosis, so we're hoping that she'll talk longer yeah. because she's comfortable. Um, but uh, we had hoped that Ilaria would be able to come to our conference, but that seemed to be rather difficult, mm -hmm. so we decided to fly here and meet her in Chicago, where she's uh, part of a North American Society on Patristics, yeah, some, yeah, something yeah, like that. Exactly. So uh, we're uh, very grateful for you, Ilaria, and for your work. And um, maybe, uh, well, I, I ought to mention, uh, Robin Perry is mm -hmm. one of the speakers at our conference. Oh, great. Oh, I'm and uh, yeah, he, yeah. he interviewed you, uh, and it was a great oh, yeah. interview. So oh, yeah. after we had said, we'll fly out and meet you, I watched the interview and thought, oh, man, that was a great interview. So now we have you in living color, and you'll have to give us... <laughs> something you didn't say to Robin that's sure. super extra special that will make him jealous because he's probably <laughs> watching this um, this right now. So um, anyway, um, maybe you could tell us uh, a little bit about your yourself. We know I know that you're a professor from the Catholic University in Milan and I went online and it appears that you are a professor at almost every university <laughs> in the world. Is there a college or a university there where you're not a professor? <laughs> well, uh, I, I have both senior fellowship I, I've had and I'm currently having, and of course a professorship. So uh, in senior fellowships, uh, uh, right now I had just one in Oxford, I had one in Durham. Uh, it's all on ancient philosophy and patristics mostly, or theology, ancient philosophy and patristics. Uh, and uh, one in Milan, Milan is ancient philosophy, a Catholic university in Milan. Uh, been in Erfurt also uh, for religion, uh, gushed professor and senior fellow visiting uh, and also well then also visiting professor in many places from Harvard to New York uh, Columbia and uh, Emory many many universities that also in in Europe and in North America and also in Israel also Tel Aviv and the Hebrew University uh, but um, yes uh, I teach I've been teaching for some years uh, in Michigan uh, and there is a, uh, is a professorship yeah. and, and chair in theology and and so uh, I've been, uh, uh, but I've been teaching also in many, that's, many, that's many places. I yes, went to yes, Grant yes. Junior High. That was <laughs> my claim to fame. But uh, we're especially excited uh, to talk with you because of your recent work mm. on uh, apocatastasis and the Christian doctrine of apocatastasis. Yeah. And uh, the 911-page monograph, I thought 911 is a great number for a revolutionary book. Uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about 
that work. I know it's part mm -hmm. of a trilogy, mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. but you've been working yeah. on it for yeah. 15 years, yeah, exactly. and yeah. you're you're even coming out with a shorter version, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's of course all a big project, the, the trilogy and the shorter version, and of course then a number of other you know articles, and of course a number of papers and lectures, invited lectures and everything, and main lectures. So, um, well, the book that has been published so by Brill uh, with Gilead Christiane supplements uh, in 2013 is the Christian doctrine of Apocatas. This is the first uh, installment, uh, and uh, it really took yeah, see, 15 to 16 years. And I hope the others won't take so long. But I'm always long with books, and, and I'm a perfectionist, so I always try to uh, put in more. And then I find at the last moment other things, and then I improve things, and I have to change. And, and so I would never give my work to the publisher, and then the publisher almost kills you and so you have to do that finally but but still uh, it's always a research is always a, a work in progress really scientific research and and in this case it was applied so to patristics or to the father of the church uh, uh, writ large so I would say latu senso uh, because I really begin with the uh, the New Testament, some philosophical background, but this will be developed in another study later, uh, and the New Testament, and it goes up to Eugena, John the Scot Eugena, who is in the ninth century, so it's almost the first millennium, and, and for me, what I always tell to my students, especially in theology, this is the most blessed uh, is, is really the blessed season of the church because it was the church united and, and so and for me it's a big uh, you know it's a big worry and, and a big sadness to see the church divided I don't think that Jesus wants that uh, Jesus wants uh, unity and in John uh, uh, 13 to 17 which I will be doing for Novum Testamentum Patristico uh, really uh, he, he, he really points to unity as the ideal and so uh, so uh, there's something blessed about the fathers there's some mystery about them uh, even even for us now to think of that because until as long as the the theology of the church was the theology of the fathers so before you know aristotelianism before thomism and and in the east uh, other developments uh, the church was one so maybe it's the merit of the fathers. <laughs> the church was one. And as long as patristic theology was the great theology of the church, then when things changed, also the church yeah. kind of got divided. And this is a sadness to me. But still, um, so uh, the, the theology of the fathers uh, has this prominent eschatological orientation. So this is very strong, and you can see that in almost all, I would say, of patristic theology, and especially in great theologians such as Origen of Alexandria between the second and the third century and the early third, first half of the third century, and uh, Gregory of Nyssa toward the end of the fourth century, one of the great Cappadocian fathers. But then you see it still again in Eugen, this great theologian, as I mentioned, the ninth century, uh, who lived in the West, uh, lived uh, in... Um, in Gaul, actually, he was at the uh, the court of Charles the Bold, so the king of, uh, of that time, uh, uh, and uh, um, he uh, he 
was in the Latin West, but he was very well steeped in the theology of the fathers, the Greek fathers, who are really the great theologians of the church. In the West, maybe Augustine, of course, is great, but there are not great other yeah. huge theological figures and, and philosophical Christian philosophical figure. So it's really how, how did you come to pick uh, mm. the doctrine of apocatastasis? Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, you know, uh, this comes from, again, from first of all, from the readings of the Father. So I was really trying to deepen uh, this part of the ancient world because I see really patristics in general, early Christianity in general, and patristic philosophy in particular, because you cannot really divide philosophy from theology in the patristic time, so it's very important to keep them together. Um, I see all of this, or early Christianity, patristic philosophy and theology, as part and parcel of the ancient world, which I was studying since um, almost my childhood, so I studied classics a lot. I had a very, very, very long uh, training in classics and two MAs, a PhD, a postdoc, etc., uh, in Milan mainly. Uh, and uh, um, so it's very important that even the philosophy and theology of the fathers are really, special patristic philosophy, uh, are really part and parcel of ancient philosophy, of ancient thought. So for me it was a natural development of seeing what... Uh, what was the thought of uh, the ancient world, the great philosophers, and among these great philosophers, the Christians. And since I am Christian and, and uh, I've been deepening my faith uh, also very much on the cross, and this is an also a, a kind of mystical way to deepen your faith, even maybe in vitu, so against my will, but Jesus yeah. wanted to give he, it to me. Exactly, yeah. so he enrolled me. <laughs> And so, uh, so this is why I wanted to explore also this Christian part of the ancient world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm against this divide of classics on the one side, early Christianity on the other. This makes no sense at all. So it's all holistic. And so there, just reading and reading, I was, first of all, it was evident to me, as I was saying, that there is this very strong eschatological dimension in the thought of the father. So when they think, what is ideal? What is the ideal behavior? What is the ideal for the church? What we should do? How we should behave? How we should pray? What we should think of? They always refer to the telos, which is the end, the ultimate end. Exactly, and the blessed end, of Mm -hmm. course. Uh, And so... um, so I, I wanted to, to see how this telos was considered. And of course, this is a bit different from uh, some strands of uh, uh, ancient Greek philosophy for which the telos has no meaning because they have a recurrency of time. Yeah. So they have recurrent cycles forever. So the world is perpetual. It has no beginning, no end. And so the telos for them does not exist in, yeah. in a way. Uh, but for these fathers, of course, they were bound by the Bible, so they, they had to stick to the Bible as the great revelatory text, and then they interpreted it philosophically, but the great authoritative text for them is the Bible, clearly. And so in the Bible, they, they read about the end of the world, and, and so this is, uh, this is something different from thinking of an infinite succession of uh, eons or of cycles, of temporal yeah. cycles, but all of our time is not just a repeti- an infinite repetition of cycles, but is already oriented toward the end. And and this end, of course, this is the perfection. So I was so attracted to that because, first of all, it was something like thought-provoking to me to see that the fathers were, uh, many fathers, of course, there are lots of nuances, I'm not not oversimplifying, but uh, 
the fathers were really thinking of this telos, not at the end of the world, like only the destruction, so, so to say, in, in a negative way, but uh, the great fulfillment. So mm-hmm. it's not the world that has to end because God wants to destroy it or something, but, but because this is the fulfillment. And how this fulfillment works? Well, mo- many fathers, and this struck me a lot uh, initially, also it was something like 20 years ago when I began this investigation. I, I've been actually working at the academic level very hard and interact for, for over 20 years. It's been 20 years of academic research and then, of course, of teaching, etc. So uh, it's a lot of work. And there was, I was seeing um, this kind of thought-provoking of bold ideal of theosis, what the Greek fathers called theosis, which means literally deification. And one say, what does it mean, deification, so that we have to become God? And this is exactly what the fathers say, even though they, they are mostly not speaking in a substantial way, so they are not kind of being blasphemous in, in a way of suggesting that the, the divide between creator, God, and creatures will kind of disappear, of course. It's not that we become God but, in this. But God but, will fill all things. Exactly. But God will be all in all. And, yeah. and this is the, the big uh, um, uh, kind of catchphrase, if you like. And the, this is really the text that, for most of the fathers, was also the... the ground uh, for apocatastasis. Yeah. So, well, let, let yeah. me stop you for a second and yeah. come back to that to, to fill in some of those yeah. pieces because um, we, we haven't really even stopped to define it yet so hopefully you can exactly. fill that no, out I more mean, yeah, but it, yeah. the word the word comes from the restoration yeah. Yeah. right the restoration yeah. of all exactly. things is the idea yeah. we're showing this video at a, a conference that we're calling the Forgotten Gospel Conference, the deeper story of God's relentless love. And by forgotten gospel, we don't mean there's Mm. a gospel that... Yeah. secret gospel, well, but yeah, that there's yeah, only no, one gospel, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that the gospel is really summed up in the name Jesus, which yeah. means God is salvation, yeah, exactly. and yeah. we think, well, gosh, yeah. we think he's going to yeah. do it. So we yeah. so yeah. we put, um, we kind of have two poles, yeah. or yeah. two ideas that we committed to for the conference, one that scripture is authoritative, however yeah, you absolutely. define that, yeah. Yeah. and secondly, that God reconciles all things to himself, making peace by the blood of the cross, the Colossians passage. And then we just have invited people to come to the conference. So some people um, have have come as hopeful of the apocatastasis, and some as committed to the apocatastasis. Um, and uh, but but all of them probably having suffered a bit from it. And I think. Mm probably with a lot of folks, is because they see that passage in mm. 1 Corinthians 15 or uh, several, uh, Romans 11, yeah, several other exactly. passages. Yeah, it's and full. Have, the New Testament is yeah, full. Yeah, I, I can no longer really make sense yeah. of Romans without the idea of the restoration of all yeah, things. I think but they, but they've, but they've so seen it and they've, they've hoped for it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I've <laughs> suffered a lot of grief because of it. I know we have one fellow here at the conference from the Philippines that recently was kicked out of his denomination. Another friend kicked, lost yeah. his job. Yeah. Another yeah. friend oh, uh, is just they've, and and I think part of what they part of what they suffer with is this this feeling like, am I alone? Am I a heretic? Does anybody mm-hmm. else think this way? Mm-hmm. So so you are kind of like a superhero to all of us because uh, the idea that oh hey I I'm not the first one that's this I'm not alone someone else has seen this so so I I I'm excited to to have you flesh it out a little bit and then also 
um, just to, just to, to, I would just, what would you say to them? They're, they've, mm-hmm. they've, uh, are, are they heretics? Are mm-hmm. they alone? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I guess the, the big question for everybody is, is it really true that, that, mm-hmm. um, a majority of the, of the fathers, uh, were, were acceptable of this idea or even believe this idea. So, and so maybe you could um, address that and then yeah. maybe we can yeah. flesh out the so details. So the, the meaning of apocatastasis and the fathers on apocatastasis. So I, first so, of so all, I make... So some people might not even know what we mean by the exactly, fathers. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So first, let me let me uh, kind of warn. Uh, I am I am also a systematic theologian. I do teach across in Christology. Mm-hmm. I've taught, uh, but uh, I basically for research I am a historical theologian. So my theology is mainly my my, my scholarship is uh, in ancient philosophy, patristic philosophy, patristic theology, mainly the first millennium. Then, of course, I study also later, and Julian of Norwich, uh, Meister Eckhart, and so I arrive until uh, from Balthasar. But still, uh, my uh, the great bulk, really, of my huge, huge scholarly work and, and uh, vocation, I would say, scholarly speaking, is really uh, historical theology of the first millennium. And so I speak from this historical perspective, and uh, from the perspective of how also the fathers were reading uh, the Gospels, of course, and the New Testament. And so let me see, first of all, that the very term apocatastasis is, is a Greek word, uh, and it comes from uh, the verb apokathistemi uh, or apokathistano, which is a simplified uh, version of, of the regular verb apokathistemi, which uh, means uh, uh, I restore. Mm, uh, I, I restore, reintegrate, uh, to reintegrate, to restore, um, and to return even sometimes, but mostly rest- restoration or reintegration is really the, uh, the meaning of apokatastasis. And uh, this term of course, it has a, a very uh, wide uh, um, uh, currency, you say, in, in uh, ancient Greek philosophy and in, in everyday language. And, and actually, uh, one of the volumes of the trilogy that I, I was speaking of for, for the next uh, endeavor uh, is exactly on Greek philosophical concepts of apokata. So that, that's to say it was a, a Greek word, very widespread. It was uh, used in many places, even in medicine, uh, such as a restoration to health mm-hmm. of a patient or uh, for an exile, a person who was exiled, a restoration into mm-hmm. his or her fatherland, so uh, uh, her, her birthplace or, or a nation. So um, th- there was, a, and, and one other uh, important meaning of this term uh, was the astronomical meaning, so uh, the return of the planets to their original position or configuration after a long cycle, uh, a long uh, orbit and an old cycle of time. So it was a, um, a term that had various applications in various fields, uh, but what is also very important is that uh, this term, apocatastasis, uh, is uh, um, 
very much present in the Bible. The verb itself, this is present already in the Septuagint, which is this Greek version of the Old Testament, what we call Old Testament or Hebrew Bible. Uh, and uh, in the New Testament, which is Greek, uh, is extant at least in Greek, uh, then we have translation. So uh, in the New Testament, there is this passage in Acts where St. Peter is speaking and he's announcing uh, the resurrection of Jesus, actually, and then his second coming at the end of the world. Uh, and, uh, uh, and there he uses exactly uh, this term, uh, the, very, the very substantive apocatastasis, uh, and uh, he says uh, that uh, um, Jesus basically will remain in heaven, or the heavens will keep him, in, uh, literally, uh, until the times of, uh, uh, of the restoration of all. This is uh, the, the mechri chronon apocatastaseos panton. So the, the times of the restoration of all, of which God had spoken uh, from time immemorial through the mouth of his holy prophet. Yeah. And, and, and here I, I read immediately a reference to Isaiah, for instance, when he says that in the end uh, the wolf and, and the lamb will sit yeah. together, etc. Yeah. So this is uh, the idea of the restoration of all. And, and this is also expressed uh, by St. Peter in the speech of Luke, of course, of the, the Acts of the Apostles, um, as in terms of the great anapsuxis, something like a, a comfort, a consolation that will come from God. And this consolation this great uh, anapsuxis, which will come at the end of the time, will be universal restoration. And, and is it? Is it? Yeah. And with the fathers, is it simply restoration, or the idea of the telos, as you were saying, that you're arriving at a, a state that you you weren't at? That, so it's more than a restoration. Exactly. It's a exactly. Fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. This is another point, which of course I uh, I analyzed in depth in the monograph and also in father studies that uh, come out later, and 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 then and then it will be. Continued continued in the other volume of the trilogy that on the rejection of Pocatasi. So there's a lot of examples of uh, different nuances, etc. But again, as a general idea, uh, this um, especially is especially clear in origin or in Gregory of Nyssa, which with this uh, notion of epectasis, which is this uh, eternal striving towards God, which is something, of course, dynamic and infinite. And so uh, this is uh, far from a simple static uh, a, re, uh, a repetition of what was mm -hmm. at the beginning. Um, the idea is that surely the blessed condition of the beginning was lost through the fall, and so hence the need for a restoration uh, that will kind of undo the disaster mm -hmm. that the fall had done, mainly the disaster of sin when evil yeah. enters the world. And so evil destroys the great plan of God for all human so, beings, and then it needs to be restored. So, so Christ plan. restores yeah, and even exactly. more than restores. Exactly. He, he, he does much more. And Christ does much more on the one side. So his, uh, uh, his reparation, so to say, he, he, uh, is, uh, is super abundant uh, by far. He's infinitely yeah. more than, than, than more the than sin, Congress. of course. And, uh, and also, there is also this uh, important factor which origin, but not only origin, also Evagrius, uh, Gregory of Nyssa, Eriugena, uh, uh, they, they stress a lot, uh, which is the factor of human free will. So the voluntary adhesion of the human being 
to the will of God, to God as the good, as the supreme good. So uh, the idea is that uh, it's not only the icon, but it's also the homoiosis. This is the language of origin, meaning uh, we, the icon is the image. So we are made all in the yeah. image of God. So all yeah. human beings, irrespective of whatever thing, factor, they are all in the image of God. And this is the datum of the creation, this mm-hmm. we have. Mm-hmm. But uh, the homoiosis, so the likeness to mm-hmm. God, Uh, is uh, something that must be achieved by each of us uh, through personal effort. So it's not something just as a gift that we receive and then we can uh, kind of not collaborate, but we must collaborate. Uh, And uh, so... uh, 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 this is uh, this is for the talos. This will be perfected in I, the end. Yeah, Irenaeus talked about that, right? The the image exactly. and the likeness. Exactly. And, yeah, an and origin uh, developed from. Well, and that, 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 yeah. that was something I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. It, that I was reading. Gosh, a philosopher mm-hmm. wrote his name down. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Bentley Hart. You Ooh. know, David Bentley Hart. And oh yeah, I read the Beauty of the Infinite. Uh, yeah, he's done well, very I, I've, I've yeah, only yeah, yeah, touched yeah. on it, but it, he was talking. It, uh, it seems to be pretty influenced by Gregory of Nyssa, mm. and uh, seems to ground <laughs> the that the, uh, the doctrine of apocatastasis. Is uh, really part and parcel of the doctrine of creation ex nihilo yeah. is what he would Absolutely. what he would say. So, yeah. and which I think is is uh, is mm. is a fascinating idea, yeah. and I think that's what you're saying. Is mm. that correct? Yeah. That that the, it that that the, the the beginning and the end. It's all it's all part and parcel of the same thing. Which yeah, which would then make which is fascinating for me because then that means that uh, soteriology is part of your doctrine of creation and absolutely. not before, before. Absolutely. And, and a great proof of this, I would say, is the fact that those who support apocatastasis are all supporters also of the creatio ex nihilo. So they origin himself. Actually, he's well, there were other people who were supporting it, but Origen is very probably the first one who really gives a, a philosophical demonstration, uh, even using this argumentum ab absurdo, so, um, uh, from absurdity, uh, of the creation uh, ex nihilo, so that God really created everything from nothing. So, well, well, and I think and, I think that when we did this conference, that was the idea of the deepest story. So yeah. I, I felt like. At least in American evangelicalism, we've lost the deepest story, which mm. is the story of the mm. Creator mm. creating us in His mm. image yeah. and likeness, yeah. and we've mm. gotten stuck on mm. our will and our failure. So we've made the deepest story our failure rather than rather than God's success. Yeah. And a lot of mm. a lot of people um, object to that idea because of the notion of, of free will. Exactly. And yeah. What the fathers, what, what reading the conclusion to your book, what the fathers said about free will seems like that might be helpful information to the, to the discussion uh, that, that and it's, if you tell me if this is if I understand you correctly but Origen and Gregory they would argue that uh, when we choose evil it's really not a choice in freedom it's you'd mention it's like a, a mental illness exactly. but when we choose the good we choose the good in freedom and yeah. we choose the good because God has revealed his grace and so then you could say the story of God creating us in his image is the story of God creating a good free will within us right so so it's the, so then we're predestined 
for free will. Was, yeah. Is that what they're saying? And I would say for the good, of course. There's, yeah. there's no predestination pre, 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 to hell. Well, <laughs> yeah, predestination. So the double yeah. predestination right. is a big so if you, if you choose, if you choose evil, you're not free, right? Exactly. Yeah. And this, you know, this is... A, a, first of all, there, there are two things. One is that most of the fathers were convinced of that, so that the... the Ethical intellectualism and the doctrine of apocatosis are there in, in, in a great majority. And, and even Augustine and Basil, if it was Basil, uh, I don't think it's Basil, but the pseudo-Basil or whatever, they are attesting both very clearly that the majority of the Christians in their time, so at, and 4th century, 5th century, were supporters of the doctrine of Protestant. So this is this is comes even not only from my own research from looking at the te- but even from the voices of those who later opposed this doctrine. Mm-hmm. So they they recognize this. And one big factor in this doctrine of course there are huge and many, many philosophical underpinnings of the doctrine of apocatastasis, and one is the ontological non-subsistence of evil, and there are many others. Yeah, I'm going to ask about that as well. Exactly, <laughs> but good. But uh, one very important is exactly this one, this notion of free will. Now, again, the fathers, as we're saying, uh, especially the, those, uh, the Origenian tradition, the great supporters of this doctrine, were very much philosophically minded, and they were all of them mostly Platonists so they are actually Christian Platonists and very much, actually Origen I think again there are lots of arguments for that was even the same as the Neoplatonist origin, there's one origin and this is the great Neoplatonist origin, he's our origin, he's the Christian origin and he's a Neoplatonist recognized as such even by the great pagan philosophers of mm-hmm. his time and later on and Proclus etc. But anyway, so independently of this, uh, they were very much thinking a lot these philosophical categories and one of the big philosophical uh, aspects of the heritage of Plato and of Socratic Platonism uh, is exactly so-called ethical intellectualism and this is this comes the idea of what it means for the will to be free so why when is the will really free so now it was already this is not a novelty of the Christians I mean this was already uh, already in uh, then of course it was Christianized mm-hmm. profoundly but still it was already Socrates at least if we credit Plato uh, so if we give credit to Plato uh, the repre- at least Socrates in the representation of Plato let us say so that there are people who say Yes, Plato just speaks, uh, says what Socrates was saying. Others are much more skeptical and say, well, we only have the works of Plato. Socrates wrote nothing, so we don't really know what. But anyway, so Socrates, as he is represented by Plato, was teaching exactly this, that evil is never chosen qua evil. So it's never chosen because it is evil, but it is always chosen by an obubilated mind, so it is always chosen by a defect of knowledge, by a defect of clear thinking, by a defect of intellect, uh, and it is chosen because it is mistaken for a good, but it is not good. And this is exactly the explanation that even St. Gregory of Nyssa, uh, who is a Christian Platonist in late 4th century, was giving 
looking for the fall, so for, for the original sin, so the, the head of all sins, and he was exactly explaining it in Socratic terms, in the terms of Socrates, which were the terms of Musonius Rufo, all the Socratic tradition, Platonic Socratic tradition, uh, which went into the Stoics also, so, which is this ethical intellectualism. He was saying, well, the forefathers of Adam and Eve, the, the protoplasts, chose uh, to eat this forbidden fruit, and that was clearly an evil because that was contravening the order of God. Uh, that was clearly an evil. But why did they choose it? Because not because it was evil. They chose it because they it looked good. Yeah. So they it but seemed to them that it was. Isn't good. that the wonderful thing in the story? They chose to eat it, but they didn't know good and evil, so they couldn't see the good to choose it, which yeah. is the beginning of the story of redemption and apocatastasis. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And another factor that Gregory underlines very much is that, which is clear in the Genesis story. So uh, Gregory is really reading the Genesis story about the fall, about the original sin, in the Socratic Platonic terms mm -hmm. of ethical intellectualism. And he say, look here, the Bible is saying the same thing as Socrates was saying, meaning that they chose evil because... Uh, it looked good because they were deceived. And who deceived them? The devil. The devil was deceiving them. And so they, 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 there is always a, a fa an intellectual factor. Mm -hmm. So they, they thought wrong because the devil give, gave them the wrong information. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so uh, uh, one may say, well, this is kind of a, a petitio principi. So then uh, the, the, the sin is now with the devil and not with the forefathers. And, yeah. and so wh what about the sin of the devil? And this is, uh, Gregory is not so much interested in that, but he also speaks of the devil and even of the restoration mm -hmm. of the devil well, I th uh, I think, and origin. Uh, I think it was mm. Karl, Karl Barth that mm. defined God as the one who... I hope I'm remembering this correctly. The one who chooses the good in freedom. Mm. So mm. to be made in mm. his likeness is, mm. to, is to be able to choose mm. the good in freedom. And yeah. so it, it seems to me that what they are, they are saying is that uh, when uh, apocatastasis is part of the doctrine of creation, that God is in the business of creating us in his likeness by creating within us the capacity mm -hmm. to choose the good in freedom. So mm. God is speaking us into existence with his word, who is Jesus the Christ, and in a sense, we're witnessing our own creation in this mm. world. Mm. And the fathers would argue that uh, God must be successful in his creation of a good free will within us, right? So th that's, that's what's exciting to me, because it seems to bring together the Calvinism that I grew up with, <laughs> okay. along with the Arminianism that were <laughs> double that were yeah that were <laughs> that were yeah that were yeah. predestined for yeah. this good yeah. free will yeah. and you know and then Bart pulls the double predestination yeah. in with yeah. Christ uh, bearing bearing our curse. There, yeah. There's a fascinating uh, mm. word that we spent some time studying mm. at church because we were mm -hmm. preaching through Ephesians in Ephesians 1:10. I started to learn about the word anakephalio mm. in Oh yeah, in this Greek. is also very important. And, and yes. you and you. A friend, Mike, sent me yeah. this quote from your book, from yeah. page okay. 418. Yeah. You, you wrote, Gregory relies on origin for his core argument mm. that the salvific submission of yeah. Christ oh, to yeah. the Father yeah. refers not to Christ's own divinity, yeah. but to his body yeah. that is humanity. all human yeah. beings. And yeah. to me, that Ephesians 1.10 has to do with that. Mm. What, 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 could you tell us about that? Mm. 
You know, this quote um, comes from Inillo de Tunca Tipsephilius, which is, the interpre- is a short work, but extremely important, both for the Christology of Gregory of Nyssa and for his soteriology and eschatology. Uh, and this short work shows very well two things. One is his dependence on origin, and then I will, show, I will speak of that. And the other is uh, that it confirms that Gregor of Nyssa, just as Origen before him, supported this doctrine of apocatastage, which is all in that treatise, uh, in order to support orthodoxy against heresy. In this case, the heresy was the heresy of Arianism, or neo-Arianism, as it's called, eunomius, um, etc. But um, so the Arians, uh, again, in scare quotes, but let, let us take the category. So the Arians uh, were interpreting the sentence in 1 Corinthians 15.28 when uh, St. Paul says uh, that the son will submit to the father that God may be all in all in the end. They were taking this submission to the father as a proof of their own position of the inferiority of the son to the father because they interpreted this submission in terms of the divinity of the son. So the divinity of the son is in a way inferior to the divinity of the father. So this means that the son is inferior to the father. Uh, And Gregory was uh, countering this, was objecting to that, uh, refuting this, and was saying, when St. Paul speaks of the submission of the son, he's not uh, meaning the submission of the divinity of the son, but the submission of the humanity of the son, which is the body of Christ, because Christ has taken up all of humanity. And so when we speak of the humanity of the son, really we mean all of humanity, all human beings uh, ever existed. So um, this is the interpretation, this is the exegesis, the interpretation that Gregory gives of the words of Paul, which is an anti-Aryan interpretation mm-hmm. and is an orthodox interpretation, Nicene interpretation. Now, uh, this is first is very important because when, when uh, it shows that Gregory was linking apocatastasis to orthodoxy, so to anti-Aryanism, so to his orthodox support, uh, the support of the orthodox doctrine against the, uh, uh, the heresy of Arianism. And uh, he supports apocatastasis in this connection because he says that when the son will submit to the father in the end, this means that all humanity will submit to the father because this is the body of Christ, mm-hmm. this is all humanity. But this submission is voluntary, so it's not a forced submission because free will is sovereign for them. Origen, Gregory, Amnista, they want everything to be voluntary. They mm-hmm. don't, God doesn't want the forced submission yeah. of everyone, and of anyone, even, not even of the devil. If the devil converts, it must be a spontaneous, a voluntary conversion. So uh, he's saying that this passage of St. Paul shows that not the inferiority of the son, but to the contrary, shows the salvation of humanity in the end, because all humanity will submit to God voluntarily, and this means that it will be yeah. saved. Because we'll so, yeah. May, may I, I add just yeah, one yeah, other yeah, thing? Yeah. The, uh, the, the important thing is also that Saint Gregory of Nyssa. So, in this way, it's clear that he was supporting apocatastasis because this is apocatastasis uh, in a context of a defense of orthodoxy against heresy. So, it's not that it's heresy, but it's actually in, yeah, in support show, of orthodoxy. Showing that the church fathers exactly, were, exactly. viewed apocatastasis. 
Genesis as the, as as the Orthodox position. Absolutely, and grounded in Scripture. Yeah. This is what, how the fathers saw that, and most of the fathers at least. And uh, on the other hand, it's, it's also very important to notice that in this uh, treatise, uh, in Illu Tunketipsephilius, this one and in the interpretation of these words of Paul, uh, every single argument and even every singular scriptural quotation that Gregory puts forward is taken from origin. I have made this demonstration, not, not only, not so much in the book, because in the book it was already huge, but in a couple of other long essays in which I really have uh, uh, put together uh, uh, really in a, in, a, in a comparison and see uh, and, and show that every word of Gregory of Nice in that, in that uh, uh, treatise is taken from origin. So he was following origin. So this also means that origin was not uh, a precursor of Arianism, but he was anti-Arian because yeah. origin already was saying that the son uh, does not submit to the father in his divinity because the son is not inferior to the father, and this was the Arian position. Yeah. But origin was saying the opposite, mm-hmm. and he was saying exactly. Saint Paul announces instead the restoration of all humanity uh, through the, sub- the voluntary submission, and and again this was very clear. So origin was supporting the doctrine of apocatastasis against the the arch heresy of his day, which was Valentinianism and Martianism, and Gregory of Nyssa later on in the fourth century was was supporting it in defense of orthodoxy against Arianism. So uh, it was a doctrine doctrine used against the heresies of their days, of their, their yeah, time. It shows that the, yeah. it was considered as yeah. the orthodox exactly. position. Exactly. Well, the, there were so many things exactly. you said that, that all these sparks are fired in my brain. Um, the, the, oh, you, you, oh, there you go. Thank you. So now, all, all of, yeah. would all of that... Yeah. Um, mm. Is that... Yeah. That no, that's fine. Oh, okay. That word, so tie it back to that word anakephalio, which I learned to bring together under one wounded head, that God is bringing everything together under one wounded head. And when Paul said we are the body of Christ, he really meant we're the body of Christ. And so to to do the, and this Mm. is a fascinating thing we've been looking at church, to do the Mm. will of God Mm. somehow means to give give birth to the will of God within you. And the will of God is voluntary free submission which I think we would call love and then scripture I so boldly John says well God is love so if you tie that together with the idea of theosis or being Mm. made Mm. uh, being deified would they um, do the fathers speak of St. Paul has an amazing mm. verse in, mm. in 1 Corinthians where he talks about the fact that we become one spirit with oh, God, yeah. which is a verse that's always fascinated me. That, that I think, well, so a good free will in me or a good choice in me or love in me, mm-hmm. well, God, is that you or is that me? Because I, I, at the moment I take credit for it with my ego, well, then it's no longer good. So, so I have a good free will, but if I hang on to it as if it's my my right or my possession or something yeah. I can oh, yeah. be proud yeah. for, yeah. then it immediately becomes yeah. evil. But if exactly. I become a channel yeah. for yeah. the love of love of God, give birth to the will of God, yeah. is so, so the the picture I have in my mind is that what the fathers are mm-hmm. saying and Saint Paul is saying mm-hmm. is that God is in the business of theosis, mm-hmm. anakephalio, um, apokatastasis. Pulling his yeah. pulling his mm. whole body yeah. together, mm. but doing it yeah. by creating mm. a good free will in mm. all of his creatures mm. that mm. come together in this unity that is actually yeah. the body of Christ. Yeah. 
which now when I read the scripture, I just see it over and over and over and over again. And uh, it's it's encouraging to know, oh, that that's that it was an that's an orthodox position that that the fathers ascribed to. So so how did how did that get lost? You know, yeah, this was, yeah, thank you for that. This is very important, of course, and, and this is the sub, this will be the subject, it's in the works, but for a long time. Uh, um, this will be the subject exactly of, of the third monograph, or the third uh, monograph of the trilogy on Apocatastasis, or Christian Apocatastasis, pagan philosophical Apocatastasis, and the relationship with the Christian doctrines in Proclus, Damascus, etc. And, and the rejection, as I, the title, working the rejection of apocatasis is probably for the fear option. I, I, I still have to think about the, the exact title, but uh, so exactly. So how does it uh, did it uh, happen that uh, uh, this doctrine was marginalized as heretical? Of course, there were heretical strands to that, uh, and I mean there were some uh, forms that were heretical, but. Uh, surely not the doctrine of Gregor of Nyssa. That was, and in fact, the doctrine of Gregor of Nyssa has never been condemned by the Church. He was not even in the famous condemnations of Justinian under Justinian. Well, yeah. Well, and and people like Irenaeus and Athanasius yeah. also agreed with this, yeah. right? And they, yeah. in seminary, they were always they, the yeah. superheroes. Exactly. Of- exactly. Also, be, probably also because. Both Athanasius and Irenaeus are not really outspoken. I mean, there, there are many hints, and uh, uh, they surely also, uh, Irenaeus surely also influenced a lot uh, subsequent theologians, including Gregory, who supported Apocatastasis. Uh, and Athanasius has some explicit statements, even though he, he doesn't have a treatise, so to say, where he theorizes that. And so uh, Gregory is more surprising because. Um, Probably was because in his later on he was taken as speaking of purgatory in many passages, which was not, of course, because in his time there was hell and, and, and paradise. But but um, uh, it's curious because Gregory of Nyssa is never mentioned in any of these accusations or or um, whether false or true uh, so-called condemnations of Origen or Evagrius, for instance, is there Didymus is there, but not. Gregory of Nyssa, and yet, and this is a paradox because I would say that Gregory of Nyssa uh, is even more, um, even more outspoken about apocatastasis than Origen was. Yeah. So that's very curious because Gregory is never is never condemned in any no. document of no. the Church in any official. Well, and the condemnation of Origen is a questionable. Is very questionable, right? exactly. Or even because even even in the canons from this famous council from uh, under Justinian, so in the sixth century. Uh, there is reason even to think that the name of Arjun was just uh, added later and it is actually misplaced even chronologically. So it, it's very difficult. It's true that even even the, the doctrine of apocatastasis is mentioned there once uh, and it's called ten teratode apocatastasis. Uh, so the monstrous doctrine of apocatastasis, but is, is a, it's a doctrine that is not, for instance, the one supported by Gregory of Nyssa. Uh, uh, it's, it's very tricky because, of course, uh, we, we have to ask what form of originism, and this is a huge history, I, I, it will be addressed in my book. There's also Istvan Perzel who is working a lot on, on the 
these, uh, uh, these times of Justinian and all the strife, it was a lot of internal uh, oppositions between factions of monks who then uh, were particularly influential at court. And, and so it's a very political thing, uh, I would say, and has very little to do with theologies, much more with politics and with factions and rivalries, etc. It's very sad business. Uh, but um, it's very curious that Gregory is never there. So Gregory is not never, no one uh, takes issue with him. And yet I would say that while Origen was more, uh, in a way, cautious, uh, he was very cautious about speaking uh, of apocatastasis overtly. Uh, and for instance, not the apocatastasis of the devil. He say, I, I never sa- uh, said anything like that because he thought that the devil will be saved only after uh, conversion. So he will be saved the qua creature, but not qua devil. He, he must cease to be devil before uh, being saved. So yeah. the, and so he has a lot of this. Whereas Gregor of Nyssa is very clear in, in Oratio Catechetica, for instance, which is his great catechetical oration uh, where he spells out all the principles of faith for for any believer. It's not a particularly esoteric uh, work or secret mm-hmm. work. It's very much public and something for every believer to, to with the, the tenets of faith. And here, uh, he, he says very clearly that the devil will be saved, that Christ will save even the devil. He will convert and he will be saved. And, and, and so in this his apocatus is even more radical or at least Gregor's. more outspoken uh, than that of Origen. So and yet there's no, no issue no of condemnation, condemnation of Gregor of Nyssa, probably because he was already the great church father and saint and, mm. and nobody, uh, nobody dared uh, to, to, yeah. So, uh, so, so t- Thomas Talbot, I know in his book, yeah. he talks, oh, yeah. he talks oh, yeah. about yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, the idea of the apocatastasis falling out of favor mm. along mm. about the yeah. time of the Council of Nicaea yeah. and yeah. Coming under the influence of the Roman Empire, and which makes a lot of sense biblically, that you resort to the patterns of the mm. principalities and powers which govern yeah. through fear. I mean, do you mm. see that in your research that the that the um, control of the empire changed the theology of the yeah. church? I think that actually, what well, the, the 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 idea that. Uh, uh, I have for um, first title or subtitle is the fear option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so investigation into the causes of the rejection of apocatastasis. Yeah. So the reasons not for to be afraid. Yeah. So the fear option. Uh, surely one of the, there are many factors, and and I will spell them. out. I will try, of course, to analyze all of them in this model, which will won't be so long as the the first volume, uh, but still uh, it's very complex because there are a number of factors and they are all even different in the East from the West uh, and so there are political issues, uh, there are uh, political ecclesiastical issues, there are uh, theological issues, uh, philosophical issues, even linguistic issues, if we have time we can go into that and explain what I mean by that. Uh, there, there are pastoral concerns. So there are, there are a number of things. Uh, you know, pastoral concerns were already uh, in origin himself. Origin himself was saying, you shouldn't speak, we pastors, because he was a presbyter himself, at least in, uh, from a certain point onward. And Gregory was a bishop, so they were all uh, you know, responsible for their flocks. And, and, uh, but um, Greg, why Gregory again? is never, never saying in any work that we should be afraid of speaking of mm-hmm. apocatastasis. We should, 
Gregory doesn't have any, or at least doesn't voice these concerns, whereas Origen, uh, in a good pastor as a, as a presbyter, he was always saying, no, we, we, should, we shouldn't actually uh, tell the truth to those who are not morally advanced. And so, uh, so there is, a, because of course the concern was that for people uh, who do the good, so stick to good behavior, only out of fear, and this is where fear comes out uh, of fear of punishments clearly now and in the other world it is much better for them uh, to fear that they will go to hell and stay there forever and burn there and so not to sin in this way it's almost like the dispensation of the law that Paul talks about right before the grace comes in exactly but but Gregory didn't do that Uh, my friend friend Mike who's really putting this conference together he wanted me to ask you um, have you heard the, the phrase, the reformative power of the apocatastasis? Mm, um, mm. And, oh, yeah. and I think what he was asking yeah. was, well, mm. is, there, is there an ethical dimension to mm. believe in the apocatastasis that, that the churches miss because mm. we, we motivate through people through fear yeah. and, exactly. and which yeah. perfect love drives out fear. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. could exactly. you, I yeah. mean, do, do the, do the yeah. fathers ever uh, debate that, like that strategy of origin, the strategy of Gregory? You know, the the fathers debate a lot, including origin and Gregory himself, uh, debated a lot this opposition between love and fear. And so they say, to those who do the good out of love, we can speak of apocatastasis because they are already mature enough to do. So it's again a very, I would say, didascalic uh, way of uh, approach. Uh, but Gregory again may have believed, well, uh, I mean, even Gregory sometimes, through Macrine at least, uh, we don't know whether, again, um, Macrine was his elder sister uh, and uh, his venerated sister, and uh, they have a beautiful dialogue, the animator, so it's on the soul and the resurrection, uh, where she's dying and, and he's assisting her, uh, and, and she's speaking about the, the immortality of the soul and apocatastasis. So Macrine is the great teacher of apocatastasis to, his, uh, to her younger brother, uh, Gregory. And Gregory credits her with this title of Partenos di didascalo, so the virgin, because she was a consecrated virgin, and teacher or professor, so she was my professor. Uh, and uh, Macrina, in this dialogue uh, on her deathbed, uh, speaking of apocatastasis, and so uh, opening up this huge hope, so he, he, uh, Gregory was very sad because he was seeing that he was, she was dying, but Macrina was happy because she was going to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, she she uh, and she's opening up this uh, you know wonderful panorama, this wonderful landscape of uh, of immortality of the soul and uh, resurrection of the body and universal restoration after that. So Macrina in this dialogue, this is the only probably passage in Gregory of Nyssa in his work uh, uh, of Gregory of Nyssa in which some pastoral concern is voiced, is expressed, uh, and it's it's Macrina, it's not Gregory speaking because it's a dialogue there's Gregory speaking and Macrina speaking and Macrina uh, says uh, well again she's very in a way pastoral or didascalic uh, didactic in a way and so she's recommending uh, the readers because of course it's a dialogue then to be read to, to all Christians and uh, or even other uh, readers she recommends don't do evil so try not to commit sin as far as you can because then in order to remove the dirt that sin uh, so to say, with which
which sin covers you, mm -hmm. uh, she uses metaphors, uh, you will need a very painful cleaning yeah. up. Uh, and this yeah. will even scourge you, etc. And, and will scratch you away your skin, etc. And so all sorts of images. But uh, so it's a recommendation. It's in a way... Uh, based on the fear uh, mechanism in a way so look uh, she tries to uh, elicit fear in yeah. well, uh, in and there, the, there yeah. seems to be a place for fear in the gospels and yeah. that Jesus oh, yeah. he, he warns the Pharisees yeah. the most about the outer darkness and Gehenna yeah, and exactly. th that, that probably gets yeah. into some of those language issues but the uh, um, in, in pastoring people yeah. when I've introduced the doctrine of apocatastasis yeah. um, and people respond by saying well then why should I choose the good? It's mm. a bit terrifying because I, I want to say, well, I don't know if you've ever chosen the good mm. be because you've, it's, it's all been out of fear and mm. in a bargain and yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly, what I love. So it exactly. seems like there's a point at which yeah. the doctrine needs yeah. to be introduced yeah, yeah. in order to lead people on to maturity. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, yeah, it's very important. I mean, the, this point is very important because I, I would say that, of course, Gregory and... and, 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 and and the, probably the, the the inner circle of Evagrius and even they, they really did think that there is even this uh, this power to the doctrine of apocatastasis to show the in, in, uh, this is clear for instance in Isaac of Nineveh Isaac of Nineveh uh, also Isaac of Nineveh really uh, in, in a way his strategy is really uh, working a lot on the immense love of God and 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 this is. Uh, this really rules out immediately fear and, and, and should kind of uh, drag us all uh, to God immediately in a response, uh, in a response to the immense love of God. So we cannot but love God back and choose the good because God is the supreme good uh, without any hesitation. And this is Isaac of Nineveh, who, who is another from the Syriac tradition, mm -hmm. but uh, he's a, probably true Evagrius, uh, and, and he's a, um, a mystic, a wonderful thinker and, and, and theologian and mystic of uh, the 8th century, so it's rather late. And, and Isaac uh, is all um, speaking always about the immense love of God and so he thinks that uh, even in Gehenna, so the word for hell, uh, there is the love of God. The love of God is you cannot kind of take okay. it away from yeah. anywhere. And, and even this becomes, for, for Isaac, this becomes uh, very clear uh, especially on in the case of the cross of Christ. They say why did Jesus choose to die? He had to die for the redemption of the world. But why did he choose to die in such a horrifying way? Because, of course, when we think of the cross, we are totally uh, horrified of the, all the horrible suffering. Uh, he could die maybe in another way, in a way less terrifying. Uh, but he chose, uh, and why, uh, asks uh, Isaac. And this is just only to show to us the immensity of his love. Mm -hmm. So my love is so great that I go even to that. Participates in all human yeah. suffering. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, this is all the mystic of the cross, which St. Julian of Norwich, of course, has yeah. very I well. Just, and, and, yeah. just yeah. love Julian yeah. of Norwich. But, yeah. but, to, but yeah. to finish that thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would, uh, up until mm. after Nicaea 325, mm. 350, mm. the predominant Mm. view in mm. the early church was a mm. was a view of uh, a view of apocatastasis yeah. and it was still in the 5th century and, and, still, yeah so the, still so, when 
Augustine was. Yeah, even yeah. even you heard you mention even Augustine, the early exactly. Augustine, yeah. uh, believe in the apocatastasis. Yeah. yeah, and then later on, when at least formally he rejected it or pretended to the we we don't really know exactly, but still he's clear in writings that he is rejecting it. At least in his writing, he wants to show that he's rejecting it. Uh, then later on, he's still saying that that one. That plurimi, so the, the vast majority of Christians mm-hmm. were Do, believing. Yeah, that. Even Augustine saying yeah. in the fourth century. Exactly. So like, in, in the fifth, in yeah. the early fifth, so, even so the first half of the. To everybody sitting out there feeling like they are alone, the early church is with you, right? The early church, very, very. Of course, we, we don't. I mean, we have these testimonies of Augustine, then we have all the texts of the fathers, and, and we can delve into it. Of course, there were some who, like Tertullian, who didn't believe in mm-hmm. that. He's a father, but he, I, I don't love particularly Tertullian's great theological thoughts on the Trinity already, etc. But uh, so there are some fathers in, in, whom, uh, in whose writings it's rather clear that they rejected. The Apocatastasis, but there are, there are very few uh, where it's so um, clear, uh, and many, many others who are really either clearly in favor of it, uh, either in the hopeful form or at least in the form for all humanities, other, other, uh, other um, include uh, really all creations so or yeah. the devil, the, the angel. Others are concerned yeah. at least only with humanity, and maybe they don't want to care about the devils or the demons, yeah. so to say, but yeah. still. Uh, there are uh, there's a number a number and and then here also comes a very important linguistic issue that might appear maybe something like only for scholars something like too technical but in fact uh, impinges a lot I mean uh, bears a lot a great deal uh, onto this issue uh, because it's not absolutely enough I mean this is a, as a methodological statement it's not enough that. In a, especially in a Greek father, uh, you find the word aionios uh, as usually translated as eternal in reference to the fire of hell or death or punishment or colosis aionios, pure aionion, uh, thanatos aionios, eternal death. It's not enough that you find that word maybe three or four times in a father. Uh, in, to say that this father rejected apocatastasis. That's absolutely, because this word Ionios is biblical, and it's used normally by Origen, Gregory of Nyssa, and, and they were supporters of apocatastasis. That means nothing. It's just a mistra- mistranslation, right. well, uh, I, and this I, is very important. I don't know how much of yeah. this will play, play, for, play for the whole conference, but I wanted to ask you about that, because uh, I, spent, I spent some time reading some of what you wrote on Ideos and Ionios, mm. and... Yeah. Um, I, the, the, one thing that I'm really fascinated mm, with, my mm, background is yeah. in natural science yeah. with a bachelor degree in, in geology, yeah, which isn't yeah, much, yeah. but but I have an appreciation for, for physics and, mm. and the, the implications of modern physics are mm. astounding in terms mm. of space and time mm. and understanding mm. of how time mm. works mm. and chronology. Yeah. And I've been... I, through through all yeah. the trauma yeah. I've been yeah. through yeah. theologically with my church, it's forced me to go back and mm-hmm. examine a lot yeah. of those texts and the word Ionios, and uh, I'm intrigued by the idea that the the view of, of uh, the the implications of modern physics on mm-hmm. our view of space and time mm-hmm. 
make it much more possible mm. to, 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 mm. to read the Bible mm. according to its original mm. meaning. Mm. So, mm. so, you know, for the last, what, several hundred, hundred years, we've been kind of imprisoned with an Enlightenment way of thinking mm. that all yeah. time is chronological yeah. Yeah. and it yeah. continues yeah. Yeah. just exactly. in a line. Yeah. Yeah. And so when yeah. we read yeah. that yeah. God is named I Am and before Abraham was I Am and that we're already seated in the heavenly places with yeah. Christ, the, the modern mind tends to think, oh, that's all metaphor. But now with a postmodern mind and postmodern <laughs> physics, there are all sorts of opportunities, all, so, all sorts of implications that are fascinating for yeah. scripture. And, yeah. and one of mm. my frustrations in mm. reading material on mm. the word eternity is mm. we don't even understand what it means in English, let alone <laughs> in Greek. So, yeah. so yeah. eternity, eternity mm. can mean um, a, a, an endless succession of mm. chronological mm. time mm. to some mm. people. Yeah. To other people, it means no time, mm. which is the exact exactly. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, the implications yeah. of physics, you know, yeah. if you travel at the speed yeah. of light, all yeah. of time is yeah. present and yeah. an eternal now. Yeah. When I go back to the word Ionios, it's fascinating to me that the word seems to be used in in, in a variety of ways. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but the implications yeah. for the yeah. for the Ionios fire and so what I picked up from you, Ilaria, yeah. and you yeah. tell me if yeah. I'm getting yeah. this, is yeah. that that Ideos seemed to be uh, used more in reference to endless chronological time, mm. and Ionios was a word that um, c- could be used in in different ways and. Yeah in exactly. different places yeah exactly. well this is this is my really big question okay mm, mm, mm. um is the well I, i've i've done a lot of thinking about the the six days of creation mm. and the seventh day as being um a, a picture of all space and time mm, and i have mm, reasons mm, for mm. saying that from physics and all mm, and the seventh day mm, is being mm. a picture of mm. the uh, apocatastasis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These and the fathers uh, had a lot of Do they talk about that? Oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah. okay. Well, so this is yeah. so fascinating for me because I don't. Are you aware of a, a physicist named Gerald Schroeder? He's in. He's in Israel. He's. Mm. But, but th- th- this is. Yeah, you, the yeah. implications are so yeah. Yeah. wonderful because he says, mm. you know, because of relativity, mm. if you're standing from the a mm. reference point of the Big Bang mm. and you were to look at the mm. Earth, that. Mm. Mm. That not metaphorically, but actually, mm. um, the age of the universe from the standpoint of the background radiation would be yeah. about six days old, mm. which is utterly fascinating when you get to Genesis chapter one and you think, oh, yeah. could we be living in the sixth day, which is the day of Anakapaliyo and Theosis yeah. Yeah. and God yeah. making us in His His likeness on the edge of this eternal seventh day, which and the door to that seventh day is Jesus crying, it is finished on the yeah. cross. And, yeah. you know, St. Paul talked about how mm. the eons, um, we, we come to the yeah. end of the eons yeah. in Jesus, exactly. um, which which to me is, there are utterly fascinating ideas that, well, what is the, is the apocatastasis, you could say, the other side of the Big Bang, the, mm. the other side of space yeah. and time, and we're in this. So did the fathers speak about that? Mm. Yeah, there are, there are two two important things. One is all this speculation about the sixth day, the seventh day, and some, sometimes even the eighth day, uh, and, and you find it in Be- because Maximus, the because confess. the eighth day is like yeah. a continual seventh day, right? The exactly. Kind of... Is 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 the real eternity outside of time yeah, forever? Yeah, yeah. So this is, and linked to that, is the concept underlined very much by the Greek philosophical fathers, uh, 
such as Origen, but also Eugena, who is following him a lot, uh, and he was really a Neoplatonic philosopher, is the idea that only God is really eternal. So nothing else and nobody else is eternal. So what does this mean? God is the good, is life. So this means that life is really eternal. The good is eternal. Yeah. But the opposite of that, death, evil is this cannot temporal. be eternal yeah. because god is eternal and and what god is is eternal but not the opposite of god and so this this is also all the um the metaphysical implications of the notion of good attached to god and evil as privation privation Absolutely. right of good and so evil is not a kind of like in the manichaean idea is a kind of equal to god but is only privations, only negativity. And Gregor of Nyssa was saying, God wanted us to taste evil, to to uh, get a repulsion for that, finally. Yeah, and so turn back to God. And and so this is, uh, and also there is a wonderful um, kind of syllogism, so an argument, a philosophical argument that origin develops. Uh, and, and this is very strong and 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 this also makes me think that when basil was going against this this is not the true basil because basil knew origin very well so anyway so in this syllogism in this uh, argument which is a kind of aristotelian argument uh, uh, origin is saying if life is eternal and life is eternal because life is christ and christ is god and god is only only god is eternal then death which is the op- the contradictory opposite mm-hmm. of life cannot be it's eternal. temporal. We, exactly. we, uh, years ago, so. we preached the Revelation, and I mm, published a mm, commentary mm, on it. And mm, the thing oh, that, that really yeah. s- put me over the edge mm, into mm, this mm, camp mm, 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 was uh, when we got get to Revelation, I think it's 20, right before 21, mm. where, where death and Hades are thrown in the lake exactly. of fire, and death exactly. is no more. Yeah. And, I, and I've been really wrestling mm. with what's Hades, what's Gehenna, yeah. what's the lake of fire, yeah. and realized, well, Hades cannot be, it has to be temporal it cannot be exactly. eternal exactly. The, and mm. the the thing that fascinated me and mm. i've argued with professors about this so i don't mm-hmm. i could be nuts on this but when i was studying the the revelation it talked about the lake of, of fire, uh, of fire. Yeah. and the yeah. is fire and theon and theon you know, is it Zulf, when yeah. I read that Zulfur, I thought, okay, now that's yeah, a fascinating yeah, yeah, word because yeah, yeah. Cause it can mean sulfur, but it also is an adjective that can be a substantive yeah. and translated as divinity. Divine, divine. Yeah, well, yeah, that yeah. to me opened up all sorts of doors having to do with the word Ionion mm. and understanding the Ionion mm. punishment mm. That, mm. That, that, well, gosh, if the fire really is God, like mm. scripture mm. says, God yeah. is a consuming yeah. fire. A consuming well, then the yeah. punishment is yeah. God. So, God. This so is what, Isaac of Nineveh and origin. Would they say, yeah, so the punishment for darkness yeah. is light. Yeah. The punishment yeah. for lies is truth. The punishment yeah. for death is to be yeah. exposed to life. Yeah. The punishment for, for lostness is to be mm. exposed to the mm. way who, who is Jesus. And then all those problems about, well, in Matthew 25, mm. the, the sheep and the the goats, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. both, one goes into the um, Ionios life and the other into the Ionios yeah. Colossan. And, and Talbot suggested this, I, I noticed that, and this makes sense to me, mm-hmm. well, the Ionios life and the Ionios Colossan are the same thing. They're the Ionios mm-hmm. fire. They're the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Jesus is standing in yeah. front of the temple yeah. and both goats mm-hmm. and sheep would go, both the, the, 
the burnt offering and、mm-hmm. the sin offering would go into the same fire,、mm-hmm. which is the fire that comes down from the Father that is、from、to be、heaven. perpetual yeah, and、exactly. never to go out. And so, ultimately, if God is fire, And, I, and theosis is occurring in me, and anakephalao. I'm destined to be filled with the fire of God.、Yep. So, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego yeah. Yeah. in the fiery furnace, and it, and it burns away the evil, it purifies、exactly. the good. It's a purifying fire. And, yeah. and we, yeah. years ago, my wife and、yeah. we prayed for a friend for years、yeah. that had、yeah. been struggling with all sorts of demonic things. And,、mm. and we really? realized,、oh, yeah, just. Yeah. This is, that was the other thing that pushed me over the edge. I watched what Jesus would do to heal her.、Mm. And it was amazing because we could pray for God to send his fire,、yeah. or we could pray for God to send his love. And the effect was the same it would, it would burn demonic things、exactly. and、of、comfort course, us. And, uh, and uh, I thought, wow, God is so good. And、um, so ultimately, and this is, this is where I love the bar, that. Well, that God's judgment and God's punishment is His grace. That, that grace the is the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is what the, fi- the fathers have thought. It's the same thing. And this is what Origen was again insisting against the heresy of Martianite, because、mm-hmm. the Martianite were saying that either God is just or God is merciful or God is good.、Yeah. And, and you know, this is the same as Augustine is saying. Augustine、yeah. was saying that God is just with some. And God is good with others.、Yeah. So、God is good only with those who are saved, and God is just with、He's、all the others who are damned.、Mm-hmm. But Origen was saying, no, God is both good and just at the same time.、Yeah. And His goodness is His justice, and His justice is His goodness.、Yeah. So now, how is this manifested? First, His justice is manifested in this purifying fire. So、mm-hmm. evil must be destroyed. So this is not that evil. Evil has no home、uh, when God is all in all.、Yeah. So this is again. And this origin has a great argument, a very long and thoroughly argued argument uh, that uh, if God has to be all in all, and this is revealed, so we must believe that, as Paul says, as St. Paul says, that God will be all in all. So this means. That evil will have no place anymore,、yeah. anywhere, in、yeah. any soul. Because God, if, if God is there everywhere, in every soul, in, any, in every body, evil has no place because、yeah. evil cannot coexist with God. They are two contradictory opposites. So、yeah. either there's God or there's evil. because、yeah. God is good. And so he says evil will disappear, evil will vanish, will, will have no place anymore, and God will fill everything. But this, but this will be through the elimination of evil. But well, this, no, is, this, this is, is both a punishment. This, this is、right? origin.、Yeah. Uh, but this is both a punishment, but the punishment is a benefit. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, so it's not, no. that,、uh, it, it's not a punishment that looks back without a, a positive purpose, but the punishment itself is a benefit. So we,、uh, Gregory of Nyssa、uh, even goes beyond and, and even says in the anima through, with Macrina, his sister actually speaking, and she says, We cannot even call it a punishment, it's actually a benefit、mm. because the primary goal of God is never to, even to punish.、Yeah. God never even thinks of punishing, but He wants to purify. And purification, of course, had this side effect of suffering because, of course, evil has to be burnt out, so to、yeah. say, to be eliminated. And if the soul is kind of entangled, is re- really still、uh, too filled with evil, the soul will suffer through the、yeah. Purification, but this is still a purification. It's not. Well, and, is not that, and is、yeah. that 
yeah. what helped me with that idea was when Paul would talk about the old man or the false oh, man yeah, or yeah, the, yeah, the body of, yeah, of flesh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that they're, they're really so it's very important for me to confess my sin and not identify with my sin because my sin really will be destroyed and yeah. that that, oh, yeah. that sinful self ultimately is built yeah. on a lie yeah. but if I identify with it yeah. the fire will burn if yeah. I surrender yeah. it yeah. then the fire is sweet and exactly. that's that's what we saw yeah. Yeah. in this really tangible and shocking way with with this we friend when we would yeah. pray yeah. for her and yeah, it, it also led to I've been fascinated with what Origen and Gregory mm-hmm. would say about the evil one because we had mm-hmm. some strange strange encounters that Mm. are hard to even talk about but they're, they're because people think I'm mm. insane but <laughs> but, uh, it, but but led me to ask mm. a lot of questions about mm. the about the evil one mm. and Jesus yeah. Jesus yeah. said mm. you know there is no truth in him which yeah. is always yeah. Yeah. made me wonder if you know and the and the old testament passages about yeah. lucifer falling are yeah. all questionable yeah. yeah but but if the evil one even so that the, the idea that the evil one really that he's entirely empty he's defined mm-hmm. yeah. by what he's not yeah. and so um, for God to, to to defeat the devil is yeah. he the devil is annihilated or mm-hmm. maybe origin would say he's created yeah but in some sense that happens mm. so there's an annihilation with all of us of what yeah. is evil yeah exactly. but but the but the evil thing doesn't even grow unless God but, but breathes his mm. his breath into that mm. piece of clay to begin yeah. the whole process so yeah. th- that and that's another mm. that was another mm. question I had the, to me the doctrine of apocatastasis mm. is mm. is important because of how it will mm. reforms individuals mm. in their mm. will mm. but it also seems yeah. that it could be very important mm. for what you talked about at the start mm. of this interview and that is the mm. unity of the church so mm. oh, yeah. when I look at the doctrine Calvinism and Arminianism come together, liberalism, conservatism come together, um, even a lot of Catholicism and Protestantism because, you know, I, I grew up thinking those crazy Catholics, they believe in purgatory, and now I'm like, well, no, that's Hades. That makes perfect, that makes perfect sense. And uh, I see all these pieces coming together if we could just drop our lust for, for fear. Mm-hmm. Our, yeah. and, and it seems like the fear pulls mm. people off of the center, mm. which is the will of God and the love of God in mm. so many mm. different directions. I mean, yeah. do, you, do, you see, do you see that? Yeah, I do think it's a very holistic, and it's the way of thinking, again, of the fathers. They have a very holistic approach. And, and uh, this you see in everything, in their anthropology, and this you see in their eschatology. For instance, what I love a lot in one of these many examples that you could have of the holistic thinking of the fathers is exactly the notion of the resurrection. Uh, and I think, again, this fascinated me so much when, because early, of course, again, I, I've been studying, as I mentioned, for 20 years, but before these 20 years, of course, I had the doctrines and, and I was like, well of course okay the resurrection of the body looked always to me something like straight a big hope of course but sometimes I was saying you know I was already uh, from my childhood suffering a lot and and uh, from all sorts of accidents and illness and then it worsened a lot this is why I was speaking of the cross uh, over the years in the last 10 years a really very heavy cross terrible cross with the body uh, and so uh, I was thinking before 
looking at this holistic approach, oh, oh my goodness, if it's just, you know, the resurrection of the body, uh, sometimes it looks like uh, it's better not to be resurrected because uh, we need to be resurrected with all these uh, terrible illnesses and horrible pains. Although like, if I have to be resurrected like that, it's better I'm not yeah, resurrected yeah, yeah. at all. <laughs> Please, Jesus, don't take the trouble to resurrect me <laughs> because it's best for me. <laughs> and that, so this is what, one thing I was thinking. And the other thing I was thinking is something like that. There are some theologians, uh, not so much Augustine himself, but there are others who are Italian, uh, who have this very partial, in a way, account of the resurrection, which is not of the great fathers of Apocatas and all the Origenian tradition of the, the Greek strand, uh, which is resurrection of the body, strictly resurrection of the body, but with a dead soul. So it's a kind of dead man walking. It's something like a concept that for me was monstrous to think of. Uh, a, a body that is resurrected, but for what? For eternal punishment. So you are just resurrected if you are evil, just uh, for you in order to be able to, uh, to under, undergo this terrible punishment. Because if you don't have a body, you cannot suffer so much. And so this is the, the idea that you find in some fathers who are against the Pocatastasis and a few, some thinkers. And this is a kind of sadistic almost idea that God resurrects you in order for you to suffer forever in your body. So this is the scope, the, the aim of the resurrection of the body. So I thought these two things were horrible, both, both of them. So uh, just to have back your body in order to suffer forever, this is horrifying. And it's like a, a monstrum to have a body that is alive just to be punished, and your soul is dead. Because, of course, if you are insane, your soul is dead. Yeah, the, yeah. the death of the soul is sin. And, and this, is, this is clear. It was already even in Philo. And Philo uh, was, of course, not a Christian, but he was a Platonist and influenced immensely the Christians. And Philo was, in a way, corrected by origin, because Philo was saying, um, well, if a person is dead in her or his soul uh, because it chooses evil consistently, uh, this soul becomes annihilated. And so even if this person is still alive in the body, is really kind of dead man walking in the sense that the soul is dead and the body is still alive. And when also the body will be dead, this person will exist no more because uh, the, the soul is already dead and the body is destroyed and so this person is annihilated totally. But Origen objected to this kind of thinking saying no because again here creation comes in. God has this powerful creative will. Mm -hmm. So if God created every single person, every single being, even an animal but still also much human being, God wanted this to exist. And if this is annihilated by sin, because sin is evilness and evilness is nothingness, and so the, the, the consequence is that you go into nothingness if you consistently sin, God doesn't want that because this goes against the creative will of well, it God. Go, it, goes, it goes back to that doctrine of creation, right? Exactly. So, th so the link a, between creation and apocatastasis. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and that, yeah. that Jesus is the creative word of God. So exactly. Jesus, yeah. the word the can't return yeah. both. Yeah. It can't yeah. return void. So exactly. the, uh, a fascinating verse for me, all these verses jump out that I've never used to pay attention to before, but at the end of John mm. 12, mm. Jesus says, I know the Father's commandment mm. is yeah. eternal life. Yeah, and I, exactly. I love that. So yeah. Yeah. So God's God's commandment will not fail, and and exactly. even if I fail, yeah. His commandment God is faithful. Yeah, God yeah, is exactly. God is faithful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I, I don't exactly. want to. Um, 
I don't want to keep you too long. I no, that's fine. But, but I, I so well, I don't know how no, much no, we'll no, show no. this. For me, it's, it's okay, as long as I, you wish, we can stay longer well, for I, an hour. I, or, yeah, yeah. Because I have absolutely. This is so interesting for me on a bunch of a bunch of yeah. a bunch of mm. levels mm. that mm. Um, because no, I, I, I mean I guess for for the, I I was publicly tried and mm. oh and removed and I put my family through hell oh, and it was terrible. difficult yeah. for yeah. Our yeah. congregation yeah. and I can but but I kept seeing these things in scripture thinking mm. this is mm. how could people not not mm. see this so mm. it's it's just water for my soul to mm. Because you know, if you're a pastor, you don't have time to read all of Origen's work and, and, and all. Um, but but you but you see it in the text. And there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about because yeah. I've been working on these, yeah. I've been working on these three books from Genesis. And years ago, I preached through Genesis, and then we then we preached through the Revelation, and, and the the view of apocatastasis began to unfold and Ephesians and over and over again. And I kind of hung on to it like. Okay, God, I'm hoping for this, but mm. I'm going to preach through Scripture and see if I find anything that mm. says this can't be true. Well, the more I preached and the more I ran into difficult mm. passages, the more I went, well, these aren't saying what mm. they say mm. they're saying, and the apocatastasis really is true, mm. and, yeah. it, and it changed the way mm. that I mm. that I viewed Genesis, mm. soteriology, the, mm. and, and so I, I wanted to, this is kind of my own personal thing, but I wanted to ask you, I'm writing these three books on on Genesis, and really, no, the, I was a trilogy like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I feel yeah. like it's what I have to do before I die. So yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah, but but they're not scholarly like yours. They're with stories about my kids and that kind of thing. But uh, the the first one to me is so fascinating because it, it's the you know the idea of the seven days and the mm-hmm. seventh day yeah. is is outside of time yeah. in some way, which raises all sorts of possibilities, and but God will accomplish. Um, his will and his will is accomplished through his word and his word is Jesus and he does it through the death and resurrection of Christ and then the second book gets in to the creation of Adam and mm. the Anakephalio mm. idea mm. and mm. Paul mm. talking about the ultimate the mm. ultimate Adam and so mm. many of the problematic verses in scripture I think having to do with mm. male and female go back to well what Adam is he talking about he's talking about Jesus and his bride and and what Jesus is going to do, and so we're kind of finishing that book up now. The next book is the one that, in a way, I'm most excited about and most mm. afraid to write because I mm. think it's so fascinating. And and I don't know mm. if this. I, I asked Brad Jerzak this. Do you know okay. Brad Jerzak? Yes. I asked uh, Brad, and he pointed mm. me to a few things. But I, I'd wondered if the fathers mm. ever saw this, because I've heard bits mm. and pieces this mm. parallel mm. between. What I saw was that the tree mm. of the knowledge of good and evil mm. and the tree of life oh, yeah. are both in the middle yeah. of the garden. Yeah. And it seems to me, I go, yeah. and, and the words, the eights and for, for tree, I go, that's the cross. And, and then the cross shows up in the revelation. There's only yeah, one exactly. tree and the water yeah, flows up. Exactly. And when I, when I take my theology mm. through, it's like mm. this, in the old theology, God changes depending mm. upon you. You change and God mm. changes. But in this theology, mm. God remains the same. The mm. tree remains the same. Mm. And we change. We change yeah. because we... And what you had said is mm. so important, Ilaria, mm. that I began to realize, mm. oh, God is the good. Jesus was very clear that God is the good. And if the good is ever in flesh, in a physical form, well, that would be Jesus. 
and he's hanging on a tree. Well, that sounds like the cross. Mm. And when I come to communion, I take his life as if it was my mm. possession. Yeah. So I, in my pride, mm. I take the life of God, mm. which is the very definition of sin. But then the very definition of grace is he says, well, I forgive you my life. I give you, I, I give you my life. And so the, the, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Mm. Mm. And, in, and then I receive the life of God, the eternal life of God, and mm. what happens in the process? The, well, the tree works, but in the process, I die, just like mm. God said I was going to do, mm. and, then I'm, and then I'm resurrected. So mm. I come to the knowledge of good and evil by encountering the evil or the absence in myself mm. and in creation. This and then God fills, yeah. he fills it with grace, and that's the process of theodicy yeah. that makes me in his image and to me mm. I mean I've just kind of preached from that paradigm mm, 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 and it, it changes atonement mm. theories it changes all sorts of problematic uh, texts and mm. I guess I that that's the one I'm saying all of that just to mm. say am I nuts I mean is do the fathers <laughs> ever talk about that the fathers really talked uh, again from the historical perspective of the fathers uh, really thought uh, a lot about, uh, especially Gregory of Nyssa again, this process that happens through death. Uh, Gregory of Nyssa is, uh, uh, I really love him a lot. And Gregory was great mystic also, so he had this kind of intelligence from philosophy and intelligence from faith uh -huh. and intelligence from mystical experience. So uh, Gregory uh, was saying that, of course, you know, in the account of the Bible, uh, death uh, is a, a kind of, uh, is a punishment, again, is presented as a punishment for the first sin, so when Adam and Eve sinned, then death enters the world because God punishes them. But again, Gregory saying the, the same thing as, as we were saying before, when, when Gregory said the, the fire is punishment, but is also purifying, so this mm -hmm. is the benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, and so God only benefits. God never punishes, but only, seems to punish, but he only yeah. benefits. Yeah. And this is the same with death. Gregory says, uh, there are others who say, but Gregory is the one who says that best, probably. And he says that death actually, if we look carefully, is a blessing in disguise. So, a physical death, of course, it's not the death of the soul is the real badness, or it, it's something bad, it's very evil, but the death, physical death, or the death that entered the world after the sin, uh, is presented as a punishment from God, but instead, God actually wanted to benefit us through that, because in this way, we could, we can, uh, in a way, be destroyed, and evil is destroyed. Our old sin is destroyed in order for God to build up again in the resurrection. And here again, it it uh, it's linked. This concept is linked with this holistic notion of the resurrection that I was mentioning earlier. So it's not something like a monstrum. There was was a Diodor of Tarsus, who was another great supporter from the Antiochian school, mm -hmm. uh, was the teacher of St. John Chrysostom. He mm -hmm. was the, the great professor of John Chrysostom. And uh, Diodor of Tarsus was saying the same thing that, that horrified me. So uh, if uh, one should be uh, 
crazy to think that the great benefit of the resurrection uh, is can can turn as a malediction as as a curse against those who are resurrected only to be punished forever. So what does this mean? This means, uh, as Origen, as Gregory of Nyssa, and especially uh, as Evagoras also will say, that the resurrection is not simply the resurrection of the body. Of course the resurrection of the body is there because the body is created by God and so it's good and so it must be restored to the plan of God. So God did not mean to make our body dead, dead dead or subject to that. This came after the sin, but in the original plan of God, this was a glorious body, a spiritual body, Mm -hmm. uh, subject to the will, uh, subject to the reason, so not a body uh, full of passion, corruption, etc. So it was the idea, the the angelic body, substantially. And so this was the plan of God. So the resurrection is uh, the reconstitution, again, uh, Gregory uses the word apocatastasis. So he mm-hmm. says anastasis, the resurrection, anastasis, is the apocatastasis, so it's the yeah. restoration. And the anacapuleo. Exactly, mm-hmm. and, and the, and the um, uh, recapitulation also is the restoration of God's original plan for humanity, which means not only a body that is immortal, that is mm-hmm. sanctified, is glorified like the body of Christ and the resurrection, but also the a resurrection of the soul and there's a resurrection of the mind so it cannot happen it cannot happen that only the body is resurrected and that the soul remains dead because this would be the monstrum of eternal punishment of people exactly that are resurrected only to go to hell and so to burn there forever and and suffer the pains of burning forever so this is something that gregory cannot even think of you say this this is unthinkable of God. God could never do anything like that. And this is also Diodor of Tassos. He say uh, that, that uh, it is quis uh, um, uh, um, tam, uh, something like uh, mindless. It would be something like people yeah. call completely crazy or insane to think that. So uh, the, the holistic notion of the resurrection, which links to the benefit of that, is that that is a recreation of the full human nature, the whole of human nature. So it's the body, but the body in full heart with the soul and the spirit so not a body that is alive and then a soul that is dead in sin uh-huh. and an intellect that is dead in ignorance but as Evagoras would have it the intellect is illuminated is illumined by the light of God and so it, it immediately sees the good and seeing the good without obnubilation means that one immediately will choose it again this idea that our will is created by yeah. God to choose the good is created by God for himself not for evil you, you know the, so, the Bible verse to me that brings the whole Bible together yeah. uh, in an amazing way is mm. Romans eleven thirty two, mm. which you mm. know is mm. the the mm. summation of Paul's argument with mm. vessels of wrath and mm. mercy mm. and Israel exactly. and, and he yeah. says yeah. Um, for God has consigned all men to disobedience exactly. in order. that he may have yeah. mercy yeah. on yeah. all and, yeah. and to yeah. me that's yeah. like oh that's how the tree works is yeah. when I my dying is Peter Hyatt an autonomous, self-centered, individual will must end, must fail. Yeah, exactly. But at the yeah. point where it fails, yeah. I get the beatific vision, right? Yeah. That's where I realize, oh, life is not my own creation. I'm the creation of life. And then I see God as who he truly is. And then I have knowledge of the good, and I have knowledge of the evil, and I have eternal life, and I've arrived at the apocatastasis, and um, and I'm joined 
in the anacephalio, the body yeah. of Christ, yeah. because it seems that 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 self will is the thing that leaves that isolates me in my own individual yeah. Hades of yeah. darkness. Yeah. But when I begin to love with God's love, then I connect to everyone else and. Chris's joy is my joy, your joy is my joy, your pain is my pain, and the body begins to function, and then it's time to party forever and ever and ever. That, that's exactly true. And you know what, what you were saying about isolation? Again, I, I can find it all in the Father's reflect, theological reflections. Uh, this self-isolation of the will, this is exactly the primal fall exactly the, the way in which many of them um, have represented this idea of detaching uh, this is really the fall much before before long before the fall of adam this is the fall of satan yeah. uh, which troubled origin a lot more so for origin the great fall is the fall of lucifer yeah. how lucifer became satan so yeah. how the angel of life could I wish become I could talk to him about that because i have theories but you have theories, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's <laughs> your theory? Well, but that, that's what, I speak well, again as a historical theologian. Well, the, so, the, I'm fascinated by Jesus' statements in John, where he says that that he was a murderer from the beginning, and that yeah. there's no truth in him. Mm. So when I listen to that, I think, mm. well, it, it sounds to me like if Satan is a nothingness, yeah. there was there was nothing there to fall in the first place. So mm. he sounds to me almost mm. more like like a shadow or a mm. byproduct of mm. creation. So mm. if I'm, so I've thought of it this way, it's a thought experiment. If God is light and Satan is the prince of darkness mm. and God is truth and he's, he's a lie, mm. how, does, how does a light create, how does a light create a shadow? Well, the mm. only way a light like the sun can mm. create a shadow mm. is to create something else that then casts a shadow. Mm. And, mm. and Satan, like C.S. Lewis talks about him this way in Paralandra, as the unman and I'm thinking mm. well it's all mm. it's almost like that he's like the unman and mm. this is the weird part of my experience that I, I, I don't know if I my wife tells me I shouldn't talk about it so much but that was part <laughs> of our en encounters with this friend mm. is um, because she had been ritually wed and all these and this thing would manifest in her mm. and uh, Jesus would appear in these visions and say that's Satan and we would it, it was fascinating, Ilaria, because you're a Catholic and I'm from Presbyterian stock. When it would happen, we could, he would like find ways to sneak into her, and we mm. could tell if he was there because we'd have communion, mm. and the communion wine would burn her like fire if mm. he was present, mm. and then it mm. would be sweet mm. when he was gone. Mm. And mm. we we had one experience mm. where he he would, be, when she was a little girl, she would cry out somebody help me and in these visions mm. that Jesus showed my wife and mm. showed her mm. the evil one had written somebody across mm. his forehead mm. and Jesus made us like he was manifesting her body wipe it off with communion wine mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and I could ask him questions during this process mm. and I said I said is Jesus a somebody and mm. my friend asked him and I think my wife and her both heard him say no he's a nobody and I thought mm. Well, that's fascinating because when, and we kind of encountered him, which I mean makes me seem insane, but he he felt like he had no inside, like it was mm. all arrogance. Mm. And mm. part of why I mm. kind of stood up for the things I did and lost mm. my church and all was 
all of the lies of the evil one that he would speak to our friend mm. and this mm. this included the demonic things mm. which which i think were different than that mm. satanic whatever mm. that was all, all of the lies were basically god does not love you mm. and god is not powerful enough to save you and he mm. doesn't want to save mm. you and mm. so when my denomination said you have to stand up and confess there's a group of people that god cannot save mm. I thought, well, that sounds just like what the evil one mm. said to me, and and I and what he would say to my friend, and I thought I, I can't do that. But but I also but this also happened, I, and I don't know if we should put this in the film, but anyway, for my records, um, an amazing thing happened one night too, where he he was. Uh, he was manifesting in in her, and mm. this was this is after years of working with her, mm. and um, we would, had learned to put him in a to pray in prayer. We could put him in like a metal box, and mm. and my wife would see these things in the vision, and this would be after hours of prayer. And gosh, mm. it was so traumatic, and mm. and the inside of the box said abyss um, mm. that mm. we would put mm. him in. Yeah. And, and Jesus would appear in this vision standing next to the edge of the box mm. and I'm writing sermons and mm. so I, and he was answering questions so mm. I'm, so I thought okay I'm going to take a shot at this and I, I said to my friend ask Jesus did you make Satan so mm. my friend mm. said Jesus did you make Satan mm. and my wife started laughing out loud she's mm. standing mm. next to me and she said Peter I see Jesus and he's just He's shaking his head laughing at you as if you couldn't even begin to understand the answer mm. to your own mm. question. So mm. that's kind of where I leave it, mm. but it says mm. to me, okay, there's something going on there that I I don't understand. But mm. but that's what, what, what I'm fascinated with what mm. Origen said, mm. that there's there's an annihilation of Satan and a creation of Satan, and that, that yeah. all sounds... Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, it's very... Uh, it, it's very tricky because, of course, um, Origen himself uh, felt kind of under fire, uh, and, and he, he didn't want to be accused of uh, kind of being a heretic or yeah, saying yeah. that Satan will be saved. Of course, the w the big problem is when when you name Satan, when you say Satan. Are you meaning the creature of God or are you meaning the creature of his own free will? This is the same that Eugena also is saying when, when he's speaking of Satan, but he's speaking also of every person, a person who may pursue evil an, an very accuser. consistently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Eugena also will say that malitia eorum in aeterno peritura. So uh, the, 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 the malice, so the evil will of mm. these people or even of Satan will perish in aeternum. So uh, it, it going toward eternity, uh, this will perish. But the substance of this Persons and the substance of Satan as an angel, as a creature of God, this will remain and this will be in beatitude because God doesn't punish what he created. God created the creature good and the evil will produced uh, yeah. the perversion of Satan most of all and the perversion of those who are following Satan when they are deceived by Satan and, and when, we, when we sin, of course, more or less, uh, but, but uh, it's a work of Satan. Uh, and so Origen himself uh, was keeping this distinction. And so he, Satan is saved, but 
not qua devil and death, not in that he has become evil and death. He has become a diabolus et mors, so the devil and death, because of his evil will. And this must perish. So yeah. in this sense, in this regard, Mors uh, will be destroyed. So the, the yeah. de- death with Satan in, in his evil choices will be destroyed as the last enemy. But this does not mean that the angel originally created by yeah. God as the most Whatever human is created enemy, by God has to. He, it will remain because exactly because and he his his argument is exactly that because the will the creative will of God cannot be frustrated because yeah. God created only what is good yeah. and so there can be any thought of dis- destruction of that because well, that, 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 yeah. that informs what Jesus said to the Pharisees doesn't mm. it when he said mm. um, you are of your father the devil yeah. and yeah. he and then he said and he's the father of lies Life. which gives yeah. me so much hope to say. Well, the you that you think you are is not who you really are. That's yeah. that's something that's created yeah. out of a lie, yeah. and the lie yeah. must die, and that false yeah. self yeah. must die. Yeah. But there, but there's a there's a there is a new man that yeah. will be revealed. And, and this requires conversion. So this yeah. is why Origen, but also Gregory, but especially Origen, because you know Origen was in his day he was countering, he was refuting uh, one big heresy. What? what we call heresy, Valentinianism, and Gnosticism in general. This is a very big concept, uh, umbrella term, but uh, which was the idea of this determinism, Gnostic determinism, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, this basically meant, at least in the way in which Origen construed that, uh, but also Clement construed that, that people will be either saved or condemned. Uh, by nature uh, so if they are pneumatic or spiritual they are saved if they are hulic or, or hylic or um, material they are condemned and this is uh, this may be a, might be a misrepresentation of what the volunteer but, but still this is the way in which these fathers represent the doctrine that they want to refute and yeah. so they insist that everything depends on our free will yeah. And, and so they, they, it's not automatic. It's not that you are already predestined to go to heaven or hell, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but uh, God never predestines anybody yeah. to hell. And this was a region right. uh, still refuting in the predestinazione. It is a, a huge blasphemy to think that, uh, that God has ever predestined anyone to hell, not yeah. even the devil. He's yeah. not predestined to hell. Uh, and so this is one thing. Uh, and then the other idea is exactly that, that so exactly that, that the devil is saved qua creature of God, ontologically created good, and his evil will perishes. But this is not anything kind of automatic. This again goes as for anyone else goes at least for origin through again the exercise of free will and so origin hopes that even for demons uh, there will be a conversion exactly on the ground and he has a passage on that exactly on the ground of the eternity of free will on on the fact that free will will always constitutively be with rational creatures and so uh, if if they will keep their free will forever uh, they are always free to reject evil in the end and mm-hmm. he hopes that this will happen yeah. uh, and, 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 that, and, and even that then is, is the gift of God yeah, yeah. this is grace well, our salvation I'm, is great Chris is making motion are we running short on no I'm just making sure we stay 
Oh, okay, okay. good. Okay, because I, I wanted to make sure we, we end at the... I mean, I didn't want to push you too No, long, no, we right? can go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you give me some, just... Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, there we go. No, that's... Well, I'm trying... I'm thinking if there was anything else I... I'm happy to go on. Really, wanted to ask you about it. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just so fascinating to yeah, me. And then yeah, it's, it's I, I also want to pray for you. We forgot to. I wanted to do that at the start, and yeah. I, I forgot. But yeah, but maybe, maybe for the sake of the, um, for the, the presentation, you could give like some. I mean, would it be appropriate if you gave a final, final thoughts to the people at the conference? Oh yeah, <laughs> um, because. Um, I, I mean, I really think they're they're mm. so excited to hear mm. from you that they're not nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, from the fathers, yeah. <laughs> let yeah, us say from, from the, the fathers, fathers. from well, a historical theologian who speaks for the fathers. Right. Well, and yeah. and this is yeah. the this is what I'm what I feel like I've, I've been discovering is that mm. there are um, people coming at this truth of the apocatastasis from so many different angles. Mm. So, for me, it's a great hope. Let's yeah, just say, yeah. for me personally, it's a, this great hope. For many fathers, it was a truth, and for mm. many of them, it was a hope. We, we, it's really difficult to tell that apart yeah. for the fathers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so yeah. you know, you have, yeah. you have people coming out of, like, the Southern Baptist tradition, yeah. and they'll, yeah. have a whole, they'll have a whole yeah. bag of problems that mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be wrestling mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Roman Catholics with another bag of problems, and the Pentecostals with another bag, and then the Reformed guys like yeah. me with another bag of problems. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's wonderful mm-hmm. to see them all mm-hmm. coming together. Yeah. And yeah. to start to examine their bags and mm. realize, oh, mm. there's God has given each mm. of us a gift because yeah. we're each part yeah. of His body. Yeah. Yeah. And when we yeah. come together, yeah. Jesus becomes. Yeah. We see Jesus. He's more and more, more and more beautiful. And I think that in, so much the encouragement from you, mm. Ilaria, is the realization that well, there's almost like a well, there's a restoration happening in the church mm. by the church mm. coming together mm. and realizing. Gosh, we we've been fighting with each other over mm. all of these things mm. for centuries, and mm. um, Jesus. One thing we always say at our church is, Jesus, God is better than you thought. Jesus, mm. and, <laughs> yes. and to, to coming together, and say, Wow, God really is better than we thought. We, mm. He could never be. Mm. He could never be less than. Mm. I mean, how mm. if He's the good? We mm. can never underestimate Him. He's always going to yeah. be surprising us with His goodness. So, yeah. um, your I think your words to them is is well it's just fresh water mm. well i would like to say two things one is from the perspective of the cross and the other one uh, which is more a mystical perspective and the other one is again just a reflection on you know again this un- this holistic perspective of the fathers this uh, this blessing that patristic theology kept the church one. So again, I'm not surprised that they come together and they find themselves one when they are listening to the fathers because again, for me, it's a big blessing that I see, again, as a historical theologian looking at all the whole of church history in 2000 years. I also teach for instance, taught Christology in the first millennium, also in the second millennium. But going through the whole of, of the history of the church, you really see that as long as the church has stuck to the theology of the fathers, and really patristic theology was the theology of the church, 
the church was one. And so it's a kind of unifying theology, it's a holistic theology. And it's not surprising that is for the most part, at least in, in its, surely in its most significant uh, uh, supporters and, and voices uh, from Origen to the Cappadocians, Gregory of Nyssa, Evagrius, and Maximus the Confessor, Pseudionysius, or Eugen uh, himself, uh, in, 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 his, in its most, uh, the church's most uh, um, representative and most important theologian, we find actually this doctrine. Again, uh, more or less outspoken, more or less cautiously expressed, like the origin with more hesitation, Gregor Nisa with less. It's, so it's a lot of nuances and differences, but still, uh, this doctrine uh, as a hope, as a truth, uh, as, a, uh, as, as a perspective doctrine, as the orientation of all their thought toward the telos is, is the doctrine of the, the, the first millennium church. Yeah. And, and is, Eryugen is like the, uh, the seal of that. At uh-huh. the end of that, from the beginning is New Testament, at the end we see Eryugen and, uh, and we see that uh, this whole patristic Theology is all again oriented toward the telos, and this was probably uh, a reaction against this infinitude of the Greek theology, of Greek philosophy, which kind of had no point of. Uh, of course, it had the ideal of uh, disembodiment, of uh, assimilation to God, but it, it was not historically oriented in yeah. a way. It didn't have that. Uh, whereas for the fathers, it's really all this orientation toward the telos and toward theosis and apokatasis. Pukatas is a restoration, is an akephaliosis or uh, this uh, recapitulation of all in Christ uh, with the end of all, uh, and is also this theosis or deification or finally finally uh, entering the life of yeah. God, which is eternal. And so yeah. the, we are also eternified in a way. We become eternal, not because we are eternal. Creatures are not eternal, but then by grace we are kind yeah, of if a we're, if we're filled yeah. with the substance of eternity yeah. that raises fascinating possibilities for what it means when Paul says that in, in Ephesians when he mm-hmm. talks about the fact that we're already seated in the heavenly places with yeah. Christ yeah. that just tells me okay that yeah. it's beyond what my mind can put yeah. in a neat little box yeah. but yeah. one day there'll be the Time, I'm not going to be the slave of time, but time will be yeah, the servant exactly. of me. Exactly. Yeah, and because because time is created by God, mm-hmm. actually created by Christ, who is the, the creator of the Ionis. This is yeah. origin again, again, uh, mainly against the Gnostics, because the Gnostics has this Ionis as a kind of divine entities, and origin was uh, refuting the Gnostics, and he was saying, no, the Ionis or the Ions are not uh, at all divine entities, uh, but these are creatures of Christ. <laughs> the so, logos it's so of great because because it agrees yeah. with physicists. Yeah. That, that, that you know, because physici- yeah. physicists now say mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. all of space mm-hmm. is relative to logos or yeah. your perception and the logos of matter. Is yeah. <laughs> and all of time yeah. is relative somehow to light yeah. and yeah. Jesus yeah. is the light. light. And yeah. so yeah. It, it's yeah. science is, is yeah. wonderful that yeah. Yeah. I think right now yeah. for when the, there's another fascinating mm-hmm. thing that with that the idea that during that time that mm-hmm. the um Apocatastasis mm-hmm. was the predominant mm-hmm. view of yeah. the church. Yeah. Uh, the church grew at an unprecedented mm-hmm. yeah. rate, and yeah. the church demonstrated compassion and courage oh, at yeah. a level that it probably hasn't ever since then. Yeah. So, one yeah. of the criticisms that I'll get yeah. is, "Well, you're just being soft on sin, and people will have no motive to be righteous, and yeah. maybe you're doing this just because you you want to 
you, you know, you're picking the easy way, which has definitely not been the story of my life. Mm-hmm. But it's in, it's encouraging to me to to look back and think, gosh, look how vibrant the church was for the first 300 years and um, look how courageous the church was because th- this was it was not the it was not ruled by yeah you were persecuted and yep. and yep. Uh, so it, it there it seems it seems to me that that the doctrine has a remarkable effect when people take it to heart and you know origin lived still in persecution and so he he was keenly aware of the power of the logos over all and 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 he lived in persecution he died some people would think uh, that he was a murderer because he died out of the the uh, persecution that he had it uh, tortures uh, and so in a way he's uh, either confessor of a murder in, in this regard uh, and, and of course he was persecuted for his faith and so he died for that but yet uh, even, even though he could have thought you know he, Christianity still you know he was much early before uh, Eusebius Eusebius saw finally the triumph of the church and the emperor himself becoming a Christian so that was a, a kind of earthly triumph so the church kind of triumphant on, on earth but uh, with, in the time of origin, it was actually persecuted, and his father died. Or was I, I think he was his spiritual father, not his biological or legal father. But still, his father Leonidas died uh, under persecution, and himself actually he died also under persecution of the Romans of the state. And so uh, he he could have thought that all uh, oh, these persecutors were very bad, very evil, and and so uh, things are are very bad. And, and these people, he could have thought, oh, I I look forward to go uh, to paradise and to see from paradise down all these persecutors burn in hell forever. Yeah. This is something like Tertullian was saying, but yeah. this is not origin. Yeah. Origin in a way so, in a way beyond, right? Yeah. Beyond history. And well, and it, 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 seems, it seems yeah. fairly clear from what I understand that origin was the most influential theologian of his day. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I would say that if, if we take away origin, suppose origin never existed, I would say all of patristic philosophy and theology would not exist, not even Augustine, because Augustine has built actually a lot on origin, directly or indirectly. Without origin, patristics would not exist almost yeah, no, at all. No theology for... No, maybe just Clement would have been there, but then almost yeah. nothing else. Yeah. So he's a... His staggering influence on well, and all, it, it, and it's so. And to, yeah. to me, it's yeah. it's uh, so compelling because the patristic fathers read the Bible in their native language. So mm-hmm. all the oh, things yeah. that we go That's to seminary great. and argue about so much, they're just reading. Um, they're, they're, they understand what the word yeah. means and the exactly. con- and the the, cult, the cultural context of Platonism, exactly. the, the all of that. That's that's beautiful. So, well. Just, um, we're so grateful for you, and thanks for... I'm very grateful to you. And, and uh, may, may I add a final reflection? Yeah, that would be this is less historical and is more kind of universal. I was speaking of the cross earlier, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, how the cross is really the in a way, the solution or the response of God to the, pro- the big problem of theodicy, uh, which was already in the time of Plato and, and was the big problem of theodicy is the problem of how God fits with evil. So is God not powerful enough to remove evil or is God uh, 
unwilling to remove evil or so why is evil here if God is there uh, and, and so this was the big problem and already Plato has said well Theos Anaitios he's in the Republic and he said God is not responsible for evil so who is responsible is the evil will of each of us so already Plato has, has in a way contributed to the solution of the problem of theodicy but of course, he lacked. The, he missed the cross. He didn't have the cross, so so uh, he didn't have really the the response for uh, for the suffering of the innocent. So he had the response for the suffering of the guilty because he had mm-hmm. this is the right punishment for evil, and and evil is your own choice. It's not God uh, who kind of gave it to you. It's you choose evil when you sin, and this is mm-hmm. true. This is what Plato. Said, but uh, but uh, he had some hints toward the cross. But of course, he was before Christ, so he could. But he has already some hints, and and he had one is when he says that evil can be cleaned away, so he can be it can be washed away in a way only through suffering. So this is already one intuition, and he's alone in Greece. Uh, in Greece huh? yeah. There were no other Greek philosopher has this intuition. And the other one is probably inspired by, by Socrates, his, his teacher, who was unjustly accused, unjustly tried, and then he died in prison unjustly because he was the, the, the most just man and he died unjustly. And so Plato was saying, imagine the, a really a, a human being, a man, a human being, who is really totally just, who is a kind of... The, the, Person, justice in, in person, in a way. And so, since the world is so unjust, so against justice, uh, so this person will be persecuted and will die and, and will be put to death. And, uh, uh, and he will be scourged, he will be flogged, and he will be impaled or crucified. So, th- this was a passage that was, of course, impressed very much the fathers when they read it in Plato. I remember reading right? Plato and Socrates exactly. at the University. University of Colorado yeah, as a yeah, freshman and yeah, thinking, well, yeah. he sounds like a Christian. He, he sounds like yeah. a Christian. And in fact, the Christians immediately singled it out. And then they yeah. thought, well, this is either he was inspired by the Logos, the same Logos who is Christ, even before the incarnation, etc. So uh, so this is, this. So, so to say that in the problem of theodicy, uh, Plato said already something very important and even seems to have prefigured the cross, even though, of course, he was not there. He's historically, uh, he was much earlier. Uh, but you think of the cross as uh, what Paul says, uh, kind of fulfilling the suffering of Christ. In, in it, I'm speaking of innocent suffering. So Plato was speaking of washing away sin, washing away evil through suffering, but thinking of people who are responsible uh, for that, who are, uh, have sinned and must be purified for that. But think of innocent suffering, babies, or people who, uh, maybe, of course, we are all sinners, but maybe people who suffer really so much, and apparently they have killed no one or have not done terrible yeah, sins yeah. or horrible, to merit, to deserve uh, extremely strong suffering, maybe over many years. And so, and this is the cross of Christ, of course. There's no other. There's no other explanation. You cannot find in other philosophies or systems of thought any kind of explanation for this undeserved suffering, especially if it's so sharp. So this is the cross of Christ, and we know that the cross of Christ is not kind of. Uh, 
you know, a, a kind of sadism on the side of Christ who wants us to suffer even though we don't deserve it. Of course, this yeah. is not Jesus. This is the opposite of Jesus. Uh, but it is the cross of Christ which is for the salvation of the world. So the cross is for the salvation of the world. And it's not only the cross of Jesus in that year, 30 year, right after uh, 30 year AD or, or CE or whatever you like on that in Palestine and Jerusalem on that day, but is the cross of Christ mystically is present in all innocent suffering in the oh, world, so, in all that's time. That's so beautiful. Right? And, that's the, yeah. and, and to me, that's the, that's the Anakephalio and fellowship of his sufferings and how exactly. he creates a, a good free will within us that we participate in his death and resurrection and in exactly. our friend over exactly. and over again. When I, I would, praying for this one, I would get so angry at God that he ever allowed such evil in his mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus would would show up in these mm. weird and wild encounters and he would mm. do things in the midst of the suffering mm. that I would I could do nothing but worship him and mm. I, I began to realizing that my friend it wasn't that Jesus had entered into her sufferings even mm. as much as she was allowed to enter into Jesus sufferings that he suffered in the first and somehow to see the light shine in the darkness gives you a knowledge of good back to the tree that you wouldn't that that none of that the other creation doesn't have. So, so maybe that's why the angels long to look into our salvation, because we've we've been in the darkness and we've seen the light shining in the darkness, and then we choose in freedom the light that shines in the darkness. And that 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 choice, I think that choice is called faith, and yeah. that faith is ionios. It's yeah. it's not a temporal thing, but it's yeah. the it's temporality being filled up with eternity. The presence of the apocatastasis in yeah. my is the eternal, the eternal now, the eternal yeah. life now. Yeah. Ap- yeah. Apocatastasis yeah. now. It's already, it's already uh, and it's and and you th- you just think of this ocean. I I really think that mystically, even even you know, think of babies, the suffering of babies. Yeah. Not not only suffering of people who maybe are adult are suffering too much and they never have done horrible things yeah. and so this is yeah. undeserved suffering to an extent of course but think of the, the extreme case babies right you think of suffering of babies or even unborn or born or whatever still suffering of babies who are victims uh, who mm-hmm. suffer uh, who are ill or who die etc and so all of this uh, of course, this cannot be taken as a kind of voluntary giving up your suffering in participation of the cross, because babies don't know, of yeah, course. Yeah. It's, but still, mystically, the cross of Christ is even yeah, there. Yeah, somehow, but, it, but, that's, exactly. but that, it will happen. Somehow exactly. God will reveal himself exactly. in that. So in, I think that in all the ocean of undeserved suffering, that if you think in all of history, from the beginning to after us to the mm-hmm. end, uh, how much undeserved suffering, how much innocent suffering is in the world. And one could say, well, th- this is against God. No, this is the cross of Christ. Mm. And the cross of Christ is grace, and it's mm. for the salvation of well, the and world. Could you, could you take and, it one... I've thought about it this way, too. And that is, if, if you put all this in the doctrine of creation, and, and if I really believe that I am created ex nihilo, or I'm created out of nothing... Yeah but nothing and God, yeah. well, then ultimately I could never deserve anything, one bad or good. So mm. none of us, mm. if we're really, if we're mm. really truly created, mm. I can't deserve evil, I can't deserve good. Everything comes to me as a gift and mm. all suffering 
is is the is the experience of I deserve but I'm not getting or whatever mm-hmm. and is that somehow part of the revelation of grace that I I experience the not God so I know God that that everything everything is a gift and yeah, and I've and I've often, and then I've struggled with the with the question C.S. Lewis helped me a lot this way why mm-hmm. is it that some people suffer so much more than other people suffer. Well, if God turns our sorrows into joy, like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, Meister Eckhart talked about that, right? And if, if God fills all of our emptiness, all of our evil with good, well, that means that all those sufferings are secret gifts, and, this, and the gifts take a different shape for different people. And back to that picture of evil, I've often thought, well, is a person almost like, the, the self I create, out of believing the lie is this empty self mm. it's like and mm. it has a certain shape almost mm. like my body a mm. shape of sin mm. but then the redeemed self is that old shape filled with a new substance so on resurrection day you could look and say all right well that's peter i recognize that <laughs> shape but he's filled with a new substance which is the which is the um which is the the very the presence of god that the tell us mm. of god the the which is which is love and then and then that that if that's really true then that old equation of why did i suffer more turns into why did you bless me more so mm-hmm. so that's that's where the cross turns everything on its head because you yeah. say well who is exalted higher than anyone in all creation well the one who suffered the most and and that and that gets that gets back to what we we're talking about with the argument against the arians that mm-hmm. that is that, that Jesus s- submits humanity yeah. to the Father. So, so and this is, that's, to me, seems to be kind mm. of getting at the heart of why people mm. struggle with epicatastasis epica- mm. is a fundamental faith in, in what I would call the survival of the fittest or conquest, which mm. is the way of the world, or in the way of sacrifice, which is the way, the way of love. Mm. And the upside-down nature of the gospel mm. is that God is the one who eternally gives himself away. Mm. In, and that's where the doctrine of the Trinity then becomes so important, right? That mm. each member of the Trinity is constantly subjecting himself to the other yeah. member of the yeah. Trinity yeah. in this yeah. great this dance. relational love. Yeah. 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 It's a relational view of God, of course, which is much better than thinking of God as a... Static, a, a monolithic yeah. Uh, yeah. entity, but three hypotheses related by love uh, to yeah. each other. So, so, so yeah, this yeah. whole world really is absolutely upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, and yeah. I, I would really like to think of the presence of the cross, which seems a kind of curse. Instead, is grace. So, the presence of the cross, wherever you see. And this uh, suffering, innocent suffering, which is huge, is immense. There's a lot of that in the world, uh, and uh, injustice. Uh, and but this is the cross, which is uh, which is for the salvation of the world, which is an ocean of grace. If you think of the ocean of suffering, of innocent suffering and oppression, and and you see with others' eyes, from the eyes of Christ, this is an ocean of grace, and. and uh, and grace is undeserved. So it's true that free will is so important, but it's oriented to the good. And, so, and grace is one step farther. And so grace is undeserved as well. So grace is for, the, and grace is for the salvation. So 
Uh, Of course, in a way, none of us deserve salvation. And so it's always a work of grace. Yeah, and I'm never never truly free until I'm at peace with the realization that everything is a gift. And then I'm I'm free. Charisma to Teutodorum. This is uh, Origen quoted St. Paul saying that the work of salvation itself is a gift from God. It's charisma to teu, teu todoron. Uh, it is God who gives you this gift in a gratuitous way. Yeah. And, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a subtle equilibrium, so to say, between the importance of free will, which is for all these fathers paramount, again, in this anti-Valentinian polemic, etc., but also the keen awareness that salvation comes through grace. And this is already in origin. Of course, Augustine uh, stressed it a lot, but... Uh, they both Origen and Augustine agree totally on that, that salvation is a work of well, grace. Would, so I've thought of it this way, and I don't know if they would say mm. it this way, that, that, that my, my free will doesn't create salvation. Mm. Salvation creates my free will. Yeah, and that, it's getting those two yeah. backwards is what... Yeah. lands me in the outer darkness. Yeah. That, that, no, that, that's, that's exactly exactly the case. Is a, a free will by itself is not enough. And the, the gift of eternal life and even of theosis, this is again origin thinking of mm. this enormous gift, is so huge that has, it has no measure. So it cannot be uh, kind of measured up against our merits because... Uh, uh, Again, this is also the reason why Origen, for instance, was arguing, but also the, the Antiochians argued, that what can be measured against, measured up against our merits, uh, according to our merits, uh, in proportion to our merits, uh, is uh, maybe punishment or purification for the sins. This can be, in a way, be counted or, or still have a measure, uh, but... Eternal life, participation in the life of God, theosis, uh, this this reward which is not a reward for anything. We we could never have done something so good. We could never have merit desserts enough to... To be, uh, to, to be worthy of the immense grace, yeah. uh, of the immense gifts that God well, will give and, us. And so, it seems, so like, it seems it to can. me that's like a bottom line idea, that, that grace is boundless. Exactly. That, that, exactly. And, and it I has no measure with, and with no August, end. Yeah, yeah. with Augustine yeah. came in this idea that, well, God is 50% grace and 50% justice. And, and, but the yeah. testament of the fathers is, no, he's just absolute free love, yeah. which... Which is which is grace. That's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, and so. and, and this and this. Ju- I mean, justice is in a way uh, or subsumed into that yeah. because ju- ju- But justice is not the ultimate way. It's just as Evagris was saying, grace is even bigger because yeah. there is no measure to that. Justice well, but get, measured it, it, up, but, but grace. Getting into those words yeah. for justice yeah. and vengeance yeah. in Greek is yeah. fascinating because yeah. they're all tied into dikaios yeah. and to make yeah. right. So yeah. there's not a. It's not, a, it's not what we would call vengeful. It's yeah. God's always in the business of making right. Making yeah. us righteous. Yeah. Exactly. This is well, the we justification. Should. This yeah. is the meaning of justification. Exactly. Well, but again, we don't really fully deserve that. It's so big. It's so yeah, immense. Just, yeah, justification is what God does all yeah, the time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would think, uh, yeah, this is, a, of course, a word of, of big hope. Again, historically, we go into the fathers, we see how they develop this doctrine and 
surely we are left with a boundless hope. Yeah. <laughs> this is this yeah. is what comes out of, of of this historical reading hist- readings in historical theology, and uh, for us now. So, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you very thank much you for so coming. Much. Thank you yeah, for taking the trouble. Ta- well, but and, no, yeah. thank you for yeah. um, just thank you for sharing so much. And we'll we'll go back, thank I'm sure, so. and try to edit this for something that will fit in the the frame of the conference, the conference. but then maybe we can yeah. make the whole thing available online or something. But it's uh, it's so it really is just so encouraging. So I'm talking personally, it's just I can't tell you how encouraging it is to me to talk with you about all of this because I just at times I felt like I'm just going crazy um, mm-hmm. with the it's the fathers you know it's not me it's the fathers well, who are encouraging yeah, and, I, are, and are filled fill with hope fill us with hope yes they are yeah. they're great theologians and you know another important thing they are almost all of us are saints yeah they're yeah. unlike our modern theologians, or maybe yeah. there are not always many. There are not many things, but yeah. again, these first millennium theologians, almost all of them, almost all supporters yeah. of them, they're all saints. Yeah, this means something. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful right. that we'll yeah. all come together on that on that one. That's for sure. Thank so, you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so. You. Thank you, and, and of course, thanks to all the hearers, yeah, the <laughs> listeners will be. Uh, is there anything that, yeah. we need yeah. to say? Do yeah. you think, kind of at the end, or Zach? Um, maybe just to uh, send off. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, I wanted to pray for you, but would we? We probably wouldn't do that. We wouldn't film that. But um, mm-hmm. so, what would what would be a good send off? Just. Uh, Okay, so we're rolling right now? Yeah. Okay. So, Elaria, we bless you. We thank you. And uh, we pray that the the next book would be a great success. And we look forward (laughs) to the the shorter version. Oh, yeah. Even though 9-11 is a great number of pages, but maybe 77 (laughs) or something like that would be a a good number. Maybe shorter, yes. Readable. Yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah. But there are also new things with respect. It's not not an uh, abbreviation, just a very, very uh, short, extremely short version with respect to the... But there are also other things. Are you going to talk more about Julian of Norwich? Oh, yeah. Exactly, she's who my, was not. She's my favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Julian, and also something Meister Eckhart, and, and some more things that I found later on, for instance, in Maximus the Confessor. Yeah. So it's not just a kind of repetition or uh, just a uh, so, very short So the fathers, yeah. the fathers would be very much in agreement with Julian. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I, would read, I, read, yeah. I would read Julian years ago and think, yeah. gosh, that sounds crazy. Is that true? And then I go read the Gospel of John mm. and think, oh, there it mm. is right there. And John, yeah. I never saw it before. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love Julian uh, a lot, and I, uh, I think she's a saint for, uh, surely for the Anglican Church. But I, I know also uh, there was also Pope Benedict who was speaking. Well, very I sat well next to her. A, I sat next to a nun on the way yeah, yeah, here yeah. who was a principal, and yeah, I began yeah. talking to her about talking to you and the apocatastasis. Yeah. And mentioned Julian, and she said, "Oh, Julian is accepted by our church." And, oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Pope and, Benedict also yeah. had the catechesis on her. I remember speaking very, very well. And, and well, she, she's she's great mystic, and yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing, yeah. amazing, yeah, yeah. great woman. inspiration. Yeah, yeah, I love her very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank can, you. I, I wanted. To, can I give you my a couple of books that I 